Uh, welcome everybody to episode four of MMA Talk. Joel's with us. Lane is with us. I'm here. This is our first episode of 2023. Welcome back, everybody. Lots of lots of crazy stuff going on. Got a new light heavyweight champ. We're about to have a new heavyweight champ. We've got two fighters that are in the UFC that are fighting for pound for pound, I guess, in a way. That's tomorrow. Some interesting stuff going on. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in that card tomorrow. I mean, obviously, like I really I want to see the the headliner fight, you know, and maybe the maybe the Emmett and the uh, Yair uh, Yair Rodriguez fight will be good. But other than that, it's pretty pretty sparse card for what should be like a premium marquee matchup. I I tend to agree with you because same thing. When I was looking, I only pulled up two fights that you know I felt were worthy to talk about. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I've seen some stuff where Islam has been kind of bitching about Dana White not promoting it very much, and I think it's, I think that's legitimate. I mean, you got Volkanovski, who's, you know, supposed to be basically like the star or one of the stars, moving up to fight, you know, Dagestan's finest, you know, and Khabib protege, and you can't you can't find shit about it. Right, and I guess, um, I guess. Dana messaged him and explained some stuff, and I guess he's okay with it now. But, yeah, there was definitely – and then there was the drama where, I guess, the other day Dana forgot his name. Couldn't think of his name, but – Yeah. I, I do that like every other day with people's names, so I can't – I'd be the person in the glass house, so I can't throw stones. <laughs> yeah, I got the card pulled up now, and – let me, um, I'll go ahead and share the screen. We'll slap that up there. Right, well, at least we've got something to look at, too. I still don't know how well you can see that, but, and I, I'm still not seeing odds on the fight. No yeah, odds. Makachev was a pretty decent favorite, I know, in the, uh, the main event. I think. Klaus, what's Max do? Yeah, and what I didn't know until just this week was, or is, Yair and Josh are the number one contender fighters. They get an interim belt. So whoever wins that fight is the interim featherweight champ until they fight Volkanovski. Yeah, I don't mind that because that's one thing I've always kind of disliked with how the UFC has done guys like moving up. Like they did that with like Connor. Like Connor held like weight classes hostage for forever, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's one of the things where, you know, I don't think Bellator is quote unquote better, but like the tournament style of that one thing is really nice is it's like, you know how to get a title fight. Like you get into the tournament, you win the tournament, you get to title fight. Whereas like, I can't remember, it might've been Chael, Chael Sonnen podcast or something that, you know, he was talking about is like, he's like, nobody knows how to get a title fight in the UFC. Cause like winning is part of it, but it's like, that's not, that's not it. It's like you, you know, there's, yeah. you know, some other formula to, you know, call outs and talking smack and, you know, that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. And fighters turn down those fights, you know, oh, I don't want to fight him. So if you're an up and comer, you can find it hard to get like Bilal Muhammad said there, you know, he finds it hard to get fights because nobody wants to fight him. 
Yeah, well, and it makes sense. Like if you're, you know, if you're kind of like a right on the cusp or on the lip of the cup kind of guy, it's like, why would you want to fight a guy who's, you know, only like top 20 or top 15, you know, because you're taking all, like if you win, you probably don't get anything for that as far as like moving up. But if you lose now, whatever you may have had, you know, possibly going on is out of there, you know? And so then, yeah, if you get held hostage, you're trying to stay active with fights, but nobody else in the top five is going to fight somebody else in the top five. If they think that they are the next person getting a title shot, it's like, why would you take the risk? And Sure. Yeah. Like, uh, Islam Makachev had that same problem. Can you hear me right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he didn't really fight anybody in the top 10 until what was it like his last fight before his title fight, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And it is the same thing. He was like outside the top 10 and, obviously a very good fighter and like you said I, why would you take that risk i'm pretty sure chemayev had the same issue and everybody was you know surprised that gilbert burns took that fight with him because gilbert had nothing to gain and everything to lose yes so no yeah that was a pure like unadulterated risk for yeah. him yeah no, and that's that's one thing I think that really is really difficult to deal with on that stuff, you know, sometimes because it's like, it, it's still a sport, you know, and it's fighting. So like, you know, you get hurt. So it's like, okay, if I, if I think I'm on the cusp of like a title shot or an interim title shot, it's like, you want to stay active fighting, but it's like, what, what is the level of risk you're willing to take in a fight that isn't like a guaranteed next step up? fight and but there's no like there's no formula to it you know it's not like a wrestling tournament where it's like you just go to the next one and you know wrestle again or whatever you know it's like you might you might never make it back around there right oh two fighters came in heavy well let's see who did not make weight uh -oh. well the good thing is that all the top four made weight so that's solid <laughs> okay um, yeah, I don't know either one of these fighters. Clydeson Rodriguez? Let's scroll down here. Yeah, the guy from Brazil there, Clydeson Rodriguez, he was heavy. Two pounds over, so he lost 20% of his purse. And... Tukagov, the guy from Russia, I guess. Zuba missed over. weight? Yeah. Jeez, that's, because he's one of the, like, he's one of the the Eagle fight team guys. Uh, he was two and a half pounds heavy. Wow. So he got fined as usual, I mean, so. Because he got kicked out for a while for uh, the Conor McGregor stuff when Khabib beat him. Oh, really? he was the other guy. He was a guy in the cage with him when, uh, when like, oh. him and Connor were throwing punches and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ah, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah, he, he was, I think he was, I think, I think he was wearing a red shirt, but he was like the guy who like, you know, like Connor attacked whoever it was that ran in the cage, but that guy didn't attack Connor. So then Zuba was the guy who basically like started throwing punches at Connor like after Connor throwing punches at the other dude who ran in there, you know, 
and then uh, yeah, it was a whole freaking scrumming mess. But yeah, it was. It was like old school. Um, who was that? The uh, the brothers, the Diaz brothers, when they got in that scrum in the ring way back in the day. Yeah, Holy cow, and that was... Henzo when he ran in there and kicked what's his name in the face and uh, like at the end of like a pride fight. I'm trying to think of who it was he kicked in the face, but yeah. Yeah, it, it gets on occasion you get one of those. So, but yeah, I mean, scrolling through these fights, I wasn't I wasn't really seeing anything else that was standing out. Doesn't mean they won't be good fights, but nobody of any. Um, or Tyson Pedro. No, it's almost like a boxing card. Like you have one yeah. headliner fight, and then fourteen fights that you have no idea who they are. Right, just filler. Yeah. Well, originally Paulo Costa and uh, Whitaker, I think, were one of the main fights on this. Uh, on this one. Right? Yeah, and I can't remember. Uh, okay. What through, but that would have been a great fight to see. Yeah, that would be a great fight to see. Yeah, and Costa can make weight, but uh, you're right. <laughs> What's his secret juice? <laughs> Jesus and acai, man. <laughs> so that's the excitement for tomorrow. Who do you guys have uh, winning the Makachev and Volkanovski fight? I think that's a tough one. I'd like to see Volkanovski win. And uh, I'm basing that. I heard Dean Thomas talking to somebody earlier, and he was saying that if Volkanovski wins, there's a chance that a rematch happens at some point. But if it's the opposite, it's unlikely that Volk will get to come up and fight him again. So. Oh, like okay. Gotcha. Yeah, this I honestly, a, I have trouble believing it'll be that competitive. Honestly, I think Islam probably probably wins it pretty easily. I just, I don't know. I can't, like Volkanovski's like good at what he does, but one, he's never faced, the only like, the only two wrestlers he faced, Darren Elkins and um, Chad Mendez, are guys who don't, who don't really wrestle like as a significant part of their game plan. Um, and then you watch the fight with like Max Holloway and Max Holloway is an absolute stud. There's no question, but Holloway's really, he's kind he's basically one dimensional. Like he doesn't really kick much. He doesn't really clinch. He doesn't do any wrestling stuff. Um, and Volkanovsky did a very good job of, you know, using like his low kick stuff and, and, uh, you know, staying, stay, you know, doing well in punching range, but, uh, Makachev punches and kicks a lot in uh in combinations he's obviously an exceptionally good grappler he's very big um yeah i just i honestly like i would be surprised if it was really competitive um you know because it's it's the other thing too this always drives me crazy during like fight camp stuff for fights is it's like you know, obviously, like, Volkanovski's been training his wrestling for years and stuff like that, but they're always like, oh, you know, we, we brought in such and such wrestler for this camp, and I'm like, that's cool. That dude grew up in Dagestan, has been wrestling for the last 25 years straight with people who grew up in Dagestan, which is where the best wrestlers in the world come from, that region. It's like, you don't you do not do a 12-week fight camp, and you're like, hey, I think I'm, 
I think I'm wrestling ready. Like it just, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> like that was right. like the, that was a big thing with the Charles Oliveira fight. Was they, they brought in one, you know I can't think of his name, but um, a very good Iranian wrestler and a guy who used to you know is trained with like Islam and Khabib and the Eagle Fight Club guys before and you know was using that to to prep and they were like you saw him doing like you know significant training to deal with um, you know Islam really likes you know from that overhook you know, doing the Uchimata into the uh, Harai Goshi, you know, like step across, like trip, and like doing a lot of stuff. And what's he do? First time they get clinched up, times a knee, Harai Goshi, straight down. Like, just like he does to everybody. I'm like, sorry, bro. Like, it's just like, you don't bring a guy in for a fight camp and, and get on that level. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. I was trying to find something I saw yesterday. It was very interesting. Someone had a statistic um a graphic like an infographic and it was comparing <clears throat> the number of significant strikes that um islam has absorbed his entire career which is fewer than volkanovsky absorbed in the fight with max holloway wow and it was like 107 um, I remember that number. It was like 107 significant strikes is all Islam Makachev has absorbed, whereas it was either 117 or 127 significant strikes is what um, Volkanovsky absorbed just fighting Holloway. And that's what that, you know... Hey, KJ. That's what, like, the, the, like the dedicated wrestling and grappling game plan like does you know because it's like if islam stood up with people more he'd have more he'd he'd absorb more significant strikes but he doesn't you know he when he takes guys down he tends to control them very well and that's like that is the the you know aside from the damage you can cause one of the best reason you take a guy down is so he can't do stuff to you you know like at least strike wise for the most part you know yep absolutely <laughs> I saw his average fight time for Makachev too was something like nine minutes and six seconds or something like that. So, wow, he's getting most of his fights done early on. It would be interesting to see if it was a fight that had to go to decision. That's that's the only way that I see Volkanovski being able to win. Would um, you'd have to kind of survive the grappling exchanges and the clinch exchanges early. And then especially when they get, you know, really slick and, and really like hard to hold later and then able to outpoint him. Because we've just never seen, you know, like Makachev fight 25 minutes, you know, and Volkanovsky has very good conditioning. Um, so that would be, that that would be like kind of the, uh, you know, the thing. And it's like, you know, in, in Volkanovsky, you know, Max has like an iron chin, but like Volkanovsky is a, he's a volume puncher. Um you know, so there's a lot of people who've kind of been like, oh, he's he's going to have more power at 55 than 45. And it's like, that might be true, but like he, he doesn't like one shot sleep guys at 145, you know? So it's like, you kind of got to, you know, temper your expectations. I think with some of that. I, I think everything you would say right. about how you expected him, Islam to dominate the fight is kind of what I, I'm worried about. But my hope is that those smaller fighters, they tend to like scramble and get up so quick and they're shorter and uh, 
I, I'm just hoping that he's going to be like a mighty mouse, and every time he lands on his back, he's up on his feet in two seconds. I, hard to imagine against someone like Makachev, but that's what my hope is. So it'll you know, be and it's and it's kind of one of those where like, I, I think I think Volkanovski's fantastic. I, I like him a lot. You know, as a fighter, I mean, I, I personally, I you know, I I like the Dagestani guy's style, so I I would you know say I'm rooting for Islam, but. It's just, you know, it's kind of one of those, it's, it's like hard to, it's hard to pick a way that you think, like you think this kind of has to go one specific way for Volkanovsky to win, which is that he has to, he has to be flawless in not only like the grappling stuff, but particularly the transitions out of that. Because like, you know, one thing that, you know, like Khabib and that Islam, those guys are really good at is front headlock stuff and body lock attacks, especially when a guy's like trying to get back up and that's where you give up your back, where you give up, you know, you know, choke positions and stuff off of that. So it's, it's just asking an awful lot to be like, Hey, like you have to be flawless <laughs> for an entire fight. And if you do get right. taken down, you can't get beat up to the point that it like adversely affects your ability to, to cause damage on the feet. Yeah. And, and Makachev's a big dude. I know he got knocked out once, but, He's just a big dude. So it kind of reminds me of um, uh, the middleweight champ. Why am I drawing a Herpajera? As big oh, as he is for 185, Makachev isn't quite that. <laughs> he is. He's a legit heavyweight fighting middleweight. It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, Makachev could probably fight 170. Without and that's, I kind of wonder, I think if he wins, especially if he wins convincingly, I could see him fighting like at welterweight. Um, I mean, I think he'd beat Leon Edwards. I think he'd beat Leon Edwards pretty easily, actually. I mean, Kamaru Usman was just absolutely starching him. And for some reason, after winning four rounds, 10-8, 10-9, he decided he was just going to stand up in the fifth round. And at the very end of it, got kicked. It's like, dude, just take him down again. And like, you win that. And it's not even competitive on the scorecards whatsoever. Like, right? Absolutely. So it made it interesting, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I didn't watch that fight. It was one of those where, like, I, I was like watching the, uh, you know, like I I'll go to like uh, oh what the hell is the name of this? Oh, I was like Sure Dog, and like there's like people who do like the play by play. So like I'll go there, yep. and I'll read, the, I'll read the play by play. You know, so I'm always like, oh okay, scroll, 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 scroll to get down towards the end, and it's like, and it's like. And, you know, with 12 seconds left, Leon Edwards lands a kick to the head and Kamara's out cold. I was like, okay. I was like, all right, all right reread that. Make sure that you, like, read the names in the correct order. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. I go there, too. I'll even, I'll even go back to SureDog, uh, you know, after the fights are over to read some stuff I may have missed. So. I like it, you know, just to see, you know, because sometimes, you know, like your thinking might be like off or you're like, man, am I the only one who saw that like round differently? Um, you know, so I, I like to go read some of that stuff sometimes too. And it's also like words, like written words can have a very different effect than like the thing that you see. Because you could write something that's absolutely like completely correct as far as the words used, but the way that you that you use the words, the particular adjectives and adverbs and stuff you use, it can make it sound like, you know, oh, this dude's just landing at will, you know, because you'll, you'll see stuff like that. It's like, oh, you know, 
like uh, Joel continues to you know to pump that jab and that jab's really effective for him but then you watch the fight and it's like the dude landed four jabs in 67 seconds and you're like well okay it was effective and he continued to land it but it's like are we are we really going to say that much about like the dude landing like you know four you know four range finder jabs in a in a minute or whatever and right <laughs> nothing like watching it i suppose yeah yeah absolutely now going back for a minute, did you guys see the Jamal Hill uh, Glover to Shara fight? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a dude take such a beating, and and it looked like he was ready to go for another five rounds, even though he didn't win. Yeah, Glover it was incredible. took a beating. I was I was sad to see him retire because. I feel like he he can still beat a lot of the top guys, but but he is older and like Dana says, when you're thinking about hanging it up, it's probably time to hang it up. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, watching it, fights like that because it's like you can literally watch a dude taking years off of his life, like in the yeah. middle of of the fight there, you know. And it's like there's you know there's the the part of me that you know like especially coming from like watching boxing stuff is like it's like dude, I kind of. I kind of hope the referee just stops it. It's like, I get it. You know, it's a championship fight and the dude's trying to go out on his shield or whatever, but you're like, and I get it. He was like reasonably competitive, you know, like he was obviously still like offensively like aggressive, like up to the very end. But I mean, like, like he probably cost himself five years off of his life in that fight. Like, like, like no exaggeration. Like, like there's this, yeah, like, he, I mean, how many, how many like landed strikes did he take? It's like 200 and some. You know, nuts. as a I mean, light how heavyweight, many, like <laughs> how many leg kicks did he take to the grape? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, he, he absorbed flush. like over over two hundred like significant head strikes. It's just like, dude. Yeah, yeah. That was a beating. Holy cow! I Brian Ortega's to... like that. I feel like half the fights Brian Ortega's in, if he doesn't submit him early, he just gets beat to a pulp but he, he has such a great chin, he never gets knocked out or finished. I, I remember the number, because when he fought Max Holloway, he absorbed 209 significant strikes to the head in the Holloway fight. Because it was just wow. it was just such a like prominent number. I was like, he was so fucked up. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they could have stopped that one like a round or two earlier, and it would have been, it would have been perfectly yeah, no fine. Been you know? yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, it's kind of the tricky part about fighting because I think it was a, I think it was a Chael thing that I saw. Like I, I don't watch his podcast that much. I used to catch a little bit more, but um, it was like like because the whole point of fighting is to basically determine who the better fighter is. And there's a lot of fights where like that gets accomplished after like the first round. So you could legitimately be like, hey hey dude, you're just like this guy's he's kind of he exists on a different level. Cool, come back, try again later. And I think it would be okay. But then the the problem with like fighting is like technically speaking, you know, you could land that, you know, accidental, you know, knockdown freaking shot at the end of the fight or, or whatever. So it's like, you know, guys want to stay in there where it's like, you know, there's the part of me is, you know, especially like lower level MMA is almost like, hey, you should kind of just have like, you know, if you go out and like if the first round is a 10-8, that's just the end of the fight. Like, cool. Save your strength. Go train. Come back. Try again. No harm, no foul, you know, versus like, hey college kid <laughs> come get your brain bashed in for a while you know yeah 
That yeah, reminds me good. of the uh, Volkanovski and the Korean Zombie. Like the Korean Zombie Dude. was clearly outclassed yep. like, early on. Yep. Man, for a couple extra rounds, he took a, a bad beating. No, it I think that's exactly it too. It split off the gas. Well, and that's and that's one. Even if it was like at the end of the third round, when like, hey, you could be like, listen, he's definitely won all three rounds. Like maybe you could even like have that. Like you know, if the guy has won like all three of the first three rounds in a five round fight, and at least one of them is like ten eight, just cool. Because like, especially Korean Zombie, like that guy's whole career has been like how hard he is to knock out. It's like, all right, cool, you're gonna die at age fifty from CTE. You know, it's like great. Yeah. You know, and it makes you wonder because I mean, obviously the ref, I guess the ref could stop it, but he's probably not going to because you could have the, um, the Leon Edwards head kick with 12 seconds left. Um, the fighter's probably, especially not a Korean zombie, he's not going to stop fighting. He's not going to quit. So then, do you look at the corner as being the ones who should be stopping these? Yep. Yep. Should definitely be the corner. Yeah, I, and I agree, but then, you know, I wonder, do they not because they don't want to f- quit on their fighter, you know? I think that's part of it, and it's just, it's much less a part of the sport of MMA than it is in boxing. Uh, like, in boxing, it's much more common, um, you know, and it's more like, kind of like, no, I mean, normal. Like, that's happened at, like, you know, uh, like you go back to, um, like, Frazier and Ali, like, you know, Frazier, like his corner, like called it when he was on the stool, you know, with what, like a round or two left, you know, and that's like one of the biggest fights in the history of all fighting and that like, and nobody thinks like that Joe Frazier got robbed, you know, in that, right. but in MMA, like nobody, like nobody does that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's because the one that always comes to mind when I think about that is a guy who's local is Anthony Smith. Like he's an Omaha guy and um, he used to train at the same jiu-jitsu club that I train at now before we kind of had like two of our instructors like split and when he had like the Glover fight like you know and, and his, he said I forget exactly what he, he said something like oh you know like my teeth are coming out or whatever it was like at that one yeah. point you know and I was like and especially because he's like he's articulate and he's got like a you know a, a career like on the microphone that's definitely going to make him money for a long time to come yeah more than likely and and you know so I, I was like man like when I was like, man, he should just stop fighting because it's like you have nothing left to do but get hurt. And then especially like in a fight like that, it's like, you know, it's like because he had the John Jones fight and the Glover fights where he basically just got overwhelmed and was just getting beat up but basically couldn't get finished. I was like, your corner's got to stop that, you know, because like you came here to to have a test of who was the best and the other guy proved it at a point when you could have still avoided you know, most of the damage that fight and come back to, to fight another day, you know? And he's about to fight, um, Walker. Yeah. So that's going to be another fight where it's going to be a knockdown, drag out, (laughs) striking war, you know? So he's, he's taken a lot. And he's also the guy who had an MMA fight in his house with the guy who was on some drug and came in his house. Yeah. Yeah. He said it was the hardest fight of his life. He said he hit him (laughs) with everything he had and the guy was still standing and he wasn't even a big dude. I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine some dude comes in your house and here you are fighting for your life. 
Well, that's one thing I always try to like, because you can't like cool, you can't put yourself in the in the mindset. But it's like you know, for all the things that we we all do with like you know, home defense, this or I'm going to carry this gun, that or I keep a flashlight by my bed, this or my family's self defense plan is. It's like all right, when you wake up in the morning for work, what do you personally feel like when you wake up? And I do not wake up like all right. Let's fucking rock and roll right now, you know. Like, I mean, I you know I've, I've snapped awake like pretty hard a couple of times when like my dogs giving me the like, hey, I hear something that ain't just a freaking squirrel outside kind of bark. But uh, but yeah, I'm you know I'm in no condition to just like instantly be you know going at it. You know, I used to take my gun off and put it away when I was home, and then. I was at home one day and about 20 minutes early, I hear one of the kids coming through the front door and I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. He's home about 20 minutes early. And I'm looking and I'm not seeing anybody yet. And then finally, I'm like, why is the door not shut? And I stand up and some random stranger starts walking through my house. And I look at him and I'm like, what are you doing? And actually, I didn't say that. I had a few other choice words in there. Um, and he looked at, he didn't actually look at me. He just looked straight ahead. You could tell the dude was on something. And immediately I was like, uh, are we about to go to town? And he was like, I'm waiting for somebody. But he literally walked straight through my house from front to back, right out the back door and started walking down the deck. And my next thought was, Oh my God, my great Dane's going to run out the front door. So I ran to shut the front door. My great Dane ran out the back door after the dude. He slung open the gate. My dog bit him before he got through the gate. So I'm like running down there, shutting the gate, trying to keep my dog in. I walk outside. Dude's nowhere to be found. (laughs) Then I find out he randomly punched a dude in our subdivision on the street. Some 50-year-old dude, and this guy's a college student. The older guy chases him down, wrestles him. They call 911. The dude goes berserk in the back of the ambulance, all kinds of stuff. But it's like you never, you literally never know when you're going to have a situation. So that has actually made me rethink what I do at home now. Wow. No, for sure. I had not exactly similar, but when I was in college, I lived with like two of my friends from that I worked with. And, um, and I'll always remember this. Because it just happened to be, it was like Wednesday night. Well, technically it was like Thursday morning, but it was like 2.46 a.m. And because my alarm clock sat on my bed towards my feet because I didn't have a shelf or anything. And my door was open just to crack. And it was one of those times where like I woke up for no reason in the middle of the night, look out in the hallway and the lights were on. And there were three people standing like on the landing, like of the stairs. And up in the upstairs of the house that we rented, there were three bedrooms and there was a bathroom. That's it. There's no other rooms up there. And my first thought was like, because my, my one buddy Ziggler, who I lived with, like, you know, he was like playing World of Warcraft. You know, he was in that phase of his life or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like son of a bitch. Like, did he invite people over to drink, you know, on like a Wednesday freaking night? You know, I got class in the morning or whatever else. And so I'm kind of like, kind of staring out there for like a second. And then I see Ziggler, like, kind of walk out the door of his room, because his room was between myself and them. And uh, I mean, on the other side of the hallway. And, um, and he's like, who the fuck are you guys? Like, get out of here. And the, the guy, that's what he, the, the guy in front, he goes, we're looking for so-and-so. And I forget what name he said. And Ziegler's like, yeah, he's 
he doesn't live here. Like, get out. And the guy's like, he's like, no, we're not fucking going anywhere until you tell me where so-and-so is. And so then, so, so Ziggler like kind of puts his arms up, you know, kind of like sort of like to corral him down the street. And the guy kind of like puts his hand out and like checks him in the chest. And he's like, we're not going anywhere. And I was like, mm, I disagree with that. And so I run out there in my boxers with my freaking shotgun. And, uh, oh, there you go. And it was, it was so stupid. Cause like the guy at like the top of the stairs, he kind of like, you know, like bowed up to me and I just like smacked him in the face with that freaking shotgun. And the guy behind him goes, Oh fuck shotgun. And I'll start running down the stairs. And I was like, and I had my first German shepherd at the time, Dietrich and Dietrich was the killingest animal I've ever met in my whole life. Most confrontational animal I've ever seen. And normally he sat down by the front door and I'm like, I'm like, where's he at? I'm like, Dietrich. And I hear him like, kind of like, like his collar, like jingle in my bedroom. Well, what had happened was like he had gotten in the trash right before bed and I'd yelled at him. And when I went up, went in my room to like change into like shorts to go to sleep, he snuck into my room and was like sleeping in the corner. And he, you know, he's like really black. So I like I didn't see him over there. And I'm like, get out here. And so he runs out and just starts biting everybody as they're running down the stairs. And the one guy's like, tell him to stop biting us. I was like, no, keep biting them. And they all run outside. And, um, and then like, I, we were kind of like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, what the hell was that? There's just like three people in the stairs. And so we're kind of like looking out the window and apparently, you know, they were like looking for the neighbors next door to like party at their house. And it just so happened that like the two girls that rented the house next to us were two white girls named India and Asia. So you can kind of get a sense <laughs> oh of God. what, uh, what, you know, what side of the, uh, the proverbial spectrum they operated on. And I was like, right. okay, so that was, that almost went like really freaking south there, but <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Be careful whose house you walk into unannounced. Dude, and all the lights were off. Like, literally only the hallway light in the upstairs hallway was on. And we didn't lock the door because normally we had, you know, we had we normally had two German shepherds sleeping downstairs. So we just never really cared about it. But, yeah, they just never knocked, walked into a house with all the lights off and just walked upstairs at, like, 2.46 a.m., you know? You're like, okay. Good Lord. Jeez. Wow. Goodness. Do you have any uh, a good self-defense stories there, Joel, while we're at it? No, sorry. I was laughing to myself because the closest thing I have is uh, it was Halloween one year and we were living in an apartment and we forgot to we forgot it was Halloween and uh, we're cooking dinner <laughs> and we turn around and there's this like 10-year-old fat Asian kid in our kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you got candy for me? <laughs> we like for some canned food to give him because that's all we had. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like what a strange question to ask somebody. Like come from. Oh, that's funny. That's ballsy on his part. Just like listen, it's Halloween. Yeah, right. Like I'm I'm going in that house. Like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a great neighborhood either, so I think he made it out all right. <laughs> wow. Now uh getting getting back to MMA. Nganu leaves the UFC. Apparently, they they were in negotiations and that broke down. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, but he is. Did you hear what the? Let's see here. Uh, where's it at here? Oh, Deontay Wilder. Whoop. That went the wrong place. Come on. Deontay Wilder has offered to sign a two-fight contract with Nganu 
to do a one of them being a boxing match and one of them being an MMA match. He said, you come fight me in a ring boxing and I'll come to a cage and fight you MMA. I mean, that'd be the most money Ngannou ever made in a fight. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe uh, Deontay too. I mean, who knows? I know the I big money fights. Tyson Fury fights were extremely uh, lucrative, but I don't actually know oh, yeah. numbers. So. <laughs> yeah, true. And I mean, that's really where the big money is going to be for Ngannou if they can... Um, I know, I think it's what, April, they're looking at Tyson Fury fighting Ursic or so, his name, something like that. Um, yeah, Alexander Usyk. Usyk, yeah, that's it. And uh, But later this year, I mean, I could see maybe, I think Francis was wanting like July time frame. July, uh, yeah, July or August, but I mean, I guess that would depend on how long that other fight went and if Tyson Fury won it and so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't know what that does. No, it's, and if that happens, like, I'll give props to Deontay Wilder because one thing I hate with the, uh, you know, like people doing the, like, kind of almost celebrity call-outs or whatever you want to call it, it's like they always do it like boxing matches. I'm like, like, I don't, like, boxing isn't a fight. Like, it's, it's not the same, you know. So if he actually did that, I'd, I think that'd be cool. And it would be, it'd be like a throwback to, like, what MMA I kind of started out as, you know, like the last time right. I remember that happening was Randy Couture and, um, uh, damn it. What's his freaking name? Uh, yeah. James Tony. There you go. Lights. There out. you yeah. go. James Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Another old guy. Yeah. That's how I'd see it going on the MMA side between those two. But what do you think about in boxing? I, I don't know much Ooh. about boxing, but I feel like the boxers hit harder and it's, their game that they've done for years, I feel like they just outclass MMA fighters in, in their own game. It would yeah. be difficult for me to imagine Nganu beating him in boxing, definitely. Now, Grant, yeah, I think he'd have a better chance against Deontay Wilder than he would against Tyson Fury. But <laughs> You know, yes and no. I mean, I, I think Deontay is very technical. And he's got a he's got a lot of length. He's got a crazy jab, and in that straight right, I mean, he decked Fury with no issue. Now Fury sat up, but I mean, he's got one punch. His power is just as good as Francis, if not better. So, um, I I, don't I think see I think power wise, you're well. completely right. Like I think the thing that Wilder doesn't have is. He doesn't fight well moving away. And he's not he's not particularly smooth at like dodging punches. Because like you watch the Tyson Fury fights, it's like as soon as he kind of gets slightly tired, slightly gets kind of like hit, he tends to be kind of a you know, he's kind of a like a defensive cannon. You know, it's like like it's always there and he can erase you know, it's like the Teddy Atlas quote. He's like, his right hand's like an eraser. Like, every mistake he made in the fight up to that point, he lands the eraser. It doesn't matter. But um, but he's not very, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have really slick footwork to avoid a lot of the stuff like that, you know. But again, I don't think Francis, like, Francis isn't going to cut the angles and, and be near as slick as, as Fury is and, you know, how he approaches right. him either. Right. Absolutely. I feel like that straight right is going to – I mean, I, I'm all for Francis making whatever he can in the short amount of time he has 
doing these things. So good for him, but I don't I don't see a scenario where I mean unless there's always a puncher's chance where he just catches him at the right moment in the right spot and wins by flash knockout. Otherwise, I don't see him beating Deontay nor Tyson. It'll be the it, it would I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can't imagine he's fought any fighters who had a reach advantage on him, and he would be giving up significant reach to both of those guys. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's I think he'd probably get picked apart pretty good, but we've never seen him hurt. So that's kind of it's one of those things where like until you see it happen, it's like like sometimes in your brain it's like you can't imagine it happening. You know, so like I mean it'd be I I'd watch it like you know. Yeah, absolutely. I just yeah, Wilder. Wilder has a eighty-three inch reach. You know what? Which isn't though? even as long as John Jones's reach, which is eighty-four. A, a ridiculous half. thing. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> that's what Deontay I was Wilder's about to say. Six foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what. Uh, Ty- Let me check Tyson Fury real quick because I'm curious what his reach is. I don't feel like his is going to be any longer. Oh. Oh, somebody with a longer reach than John Jones. Yeah, well, he's six foot nine, so there you go. Like, <laughs> And he's got a half-inch reach advantage, 85 yep. inches. That's long. All right, now, just as a matter of... And of course, I don't see a reach for Ngannou. Eighty. Oh, they're saying he has an eighty-three inch reach. So same as Wilder. Okay. So not too bad then. So, speaking of Jones, him and Cyril gone for the heavyweight champion of the world, heavyweight championship of the world. This is going to be interesting. I don't know. I haven't seen any videos of John doing any type of sparring or anything like that. So I'm not sure what the added weight has done. Um, But, you know, he didn't put it on quickly. He took the time and put it on slowly. So I don't know if that that helped him with maintaining some of his speed, flexibility, that type of thing. But it's going to be an interesting fight. Well, he's probably a guy who probably fought at 240 as a 205er, anyways. You know, I mean, he's he's like all of six foot four. He's he's a humongous guy. Like how those right. guys make 205. I mean, I, I'm 230 right now. Like I just I don't. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see here. Jones, uh, let's see. We can pull up here. Uh, hey, Dave. Better late than never. Oh, we hear you. We don't see you. Yeah, the Wi-Fi out here is not the best, but at least I can hear you now, finally. <laughs> okay. I found a room. <laughs> okay. It's good. We've just been waiting the whole time, actually. We haven't even started yet. 
Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if I had known that, I would I would wouldn't have rushed so much. Would have run around here. Now I'm sweating. This is this isn't cool. It's supposed to be my night off. I'm supposed to be a spectator tonight. Uh, you're going to be spectating from the corner, right? Yeah, back behind it. They have two guys that go up on the cage, so our coaches will be up there, and we're back here, help make sure he's warm and. Being Aaron boys, whatever he needs, so. Okay. So, for the record, I'm going to clarify this now. Mr. Crosby at one time was a black belt in BJJ. Went to a different school, had to start over. So the last time we talked, he was a brown belt working towards regaining his black belt. And then apparently, without letting me know, because, you know, he's got to do these things, he didn't tell me that he was a new black belt, so I put brown belt up in public. <laughs> well, I was mainly giving you some crap for just completely disregarding the karate black belt, because everybody else does. So we talked about that last time, so I was like, ah, it just doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. That is true. <laughs> oh. I'm like, right. what's karate? It's in the 90s. <laughs> I'm trying to see. The first black belt's the toughest one, you know, so get that one out of the way. Oh, and away. he's gone. <laughs> oh, I wanted to mention to him that karate's making a comeback, and I wouldn't let my kids watch uh, the karate kid because I don't want them to get interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, 6'4", with a wingspan of 84.5 inches. That's crazy. So who do you guys think wins that? I mean, Cyril Gaon is a world-class striker. But I feel like Jones, even though he's put on a lot of weight and moved up another weight class, I feel like his fight IQ is one of the highest out there. Well, then... Gone, like, man, like, Gone had trouble wrestling Francis Ngannou, who's not a wrestler. John Jones is an actual wrestler. And when he wants to be, he's probably the best wrestler at 205. Like, even better than Daniel Cormier, as far as, like, MMA. So, like, there's the part of me that, that thinks if John Jones comes in and just wants to win the fight in a dominant fashion, which means he's going to implement a lot of his wrestling, a lot of his clinch stuff versus just trying to sit back and be slick and look cool, I kind of think that probably won't be that competitive. But I don't know. You never really know with John Jones. Yeah. I'm curious. Like, I, you haven't heard much from him the last couple of years, so I don't know, you know, who knows where his mind is or, or what. It's going to be an interesting fight just to see where is John Jones. I also have this terrible feeling that, like, people tend to I don't know get hypnotized by John Jones or something like that and underperform like there's been a couple people who were outstanding against him but a lot of times people just get in there and they don't do anything like you normally see them he's a legit boogeyman I mean and, and well deserved but yeah you're absolutely right yeah, you know, I mean, and I could see like one thing I think that like Cyril Gaon does and did very well against Nganu 
would stay on the, the outside and just peck at him with kind of little shitty shots against the legs and stuff like that. And Jones has been susceptible. Like, he got his legs hurt uh, against um, uh, Tiago frickin' um, – what's frickin' – Santos. Yeah, Santos. Hammer on his chest, yeah. dude, there. Um, yeah. Got his legs hurt really bad, um, you know, there, and had a lot of trouble with Dominic. I mean, I think Reyes beat him. Uh, Reyes fights southpaw, you know, and, and Gon can switch stances on that. So, I mean, I, I think he can be successful, but he has to stay away from him. Like, John Jones in the clinch and John Jones if he takes you down, like his elbow game and his strike game from the top is the best. Like, it's nobody's nobody's on his level. Yeah, ask Mark Hamill about those elbows. Yeah, and it's and guys don't – they take a couple of them and, and, like, the fight's over. It's – that's it. Like, it's it's <laughs> it's something. Well, he- He's got a nasty little front kick too. So, and with his length, I could see him hitting and or hitting gone with those front kicks to the to the belly and the chest. I'd be interested if they have like an over or under, like when John Jones pokes him in the eye. Like, is that going to come in the first? Yes. Or yeah. <laughs> the uh, the number of eye pokes suffered in every John Jones fight is a real thing. <laughs> It's only his fights, too. It's shocker how that happens. It's almost like he throws it out there. Yep. Just every fight. Uh, I, yeah, I want to see I mean, if Don can get up when he, when he takes him down. Because he's going to get taken down if they go five rounds. It's just if he can get back up and how effectively and efficiently can he can he get back up. It's I'm kind of curious, too. 25 minutes with John Jones. John Jones will take you down. Dude, and well, and the amount of damage that he tends to inflict on guys from the top of their guard in such a quick fashion, you know, and like gone, like man, I, I, I honestly thought that gone had the fight won against Francis, and I can't was it the fifth round? I think it was the fifth round where like whatever grappling exchange they ended up in, but gone ended up on top. I thought if he just stayed on top, did enough to not get stood up, he wins the decision. But then he steps in and kind of sits back for that really crappy leg lock attempt. And then, you know, and he was inside of closed guard. So he didn't even have, you know, like single X or like a, you know, whatever the hell fancy Japanese word that is, ashy, whatever. But uh, he didn't have that set up. Like he sat back from full guard. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then basically, you know, Francis kind of like pulled out of it, got on top and spent the rest of the round on top and and then won that. And I, you know, I, I was like, I. I feel like that was like just such an unbelievably low fight IQ like move to pull that I, I, you know it cost him the fight. Yeah, and that's where I think you know Jones is going to have a huge advantage. Yes. Yep. I'd just be curious you- to see how he does versus someone that big and strong. He ain't that two hundred five to that fight zone even gone size that that two fifty frame. That's going to be. It'd be interesting if he is as I mean, because Santos and them are big dudes, but that whole that that new frame and that extra weight, curious to see how he handles that that 250 pound frame of guns. If he does hold him down as easy as he has people in the past, or what his conditioning's like. I mean, obviously he's been training, but he's been out for a couple of years, and it's like, you know, it ain't the same thing as you know, like getting in legit fight shape. And however, what's what's it been like three years since he fought? You know, I mean, realistically, he should have gotten into fight shape probably once or twice a year during that time that he hasn't had to. So, yeah, I can't remember. 
there, there was some. Well, hopefully, he makes it to the fight without getting arrested. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Vegas, right? He's got like three arrests in Vegas. Like, he doesn't even live there. <laughs> yeah, he, he almost shouldn't go to Vegas. No, I saw it was in Vegas. I'm like, does that change the odds? Like the fact that it's yeah. in Vegas, like, who's. As long as he gets arrested way, after the fight, like you know, we get a good fight and then we get a John Jones arrest story. We just we call that a good fight card, you know, like that's all they care about. I mean, he's got his eight or nine fight deal, whatever. He doesn't care. Now his last fight was February eighth of twenty twenty against Dominic Reyes. That was his last fight. It's wow. exactly three years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he lost that fight, you know, but kind of got gifted the uh, the decision out of it. But he was very he was very strong at the end of that fight too. But it's like, yeah, who knows what he's been doing in the three years since? And I feel like his fights really depend on where his mind has been. Like when he when he went in focused against Daniel Cormier, he throttled him. But when he didn't, he didn't do as well. So he, he's one of those that, you know, makes you wonder when he fought those guys, he fought Anthony Smith, followed by Thiago Santos, followed by Dominic Reyes, all decisions. And, and none of those Santos, were anywhere near the striking of gone is the only thing. Right. Correct. So it just makes you wonder, but... The fight before that was the no contest against Daniel Cormier, who he had beaten. So, and I honestly it, wouldn't be surprised to see John Jones come in like hyper motivated for this. You know, new weight class, yeah. kind of take some time. I mean, I can't. I mean, I've been around fighters for like a long time, but like I've never been around somebody who exists at that level of the sport for a long time. And it's like that's a, that is a terrible way to go through life. You know, like having to deal with all that stuff. So it's like you can kind of see like why these guys have issues. So like I, I would not be surprised if he came back and was just ready to freaking rock. Yeah, and how much has the three years matured him? You know, I mean, he's thirty-five, going to be thirty-six in July. You know, I wonder if his brothers have had any ability to kind of keep him on track and talk to him and keep him focused. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. What's the date on that one? Uh, next week, I believe. Let Is it? Oh, back. damn. Oh, March 4th. Uh, March 4th. Okay, March. yeah. I wanted, I thought it was March. Three weeks. Like, Man, is it next yeah, week weeks. already? Like... Yeah. <laughs> three weeks. I meant I meant next month. What am I thinking? Listen, it's close <laughs> enough. February, there's a couple fewer days than normal, you know. <laughs> All right. So right. the the other the other big news is Conor McGregor coming back and fighting Michael Chandler. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, you know, it is exciting. Talking about um, John Jones, I'm not a huge. I, I don't like the idea that people get so high up that they take a fight like once every year or every two years or Jones now three years and however long it's been for uh, for McGregor like it's I don't think it's I don't think the best or, or maybe you do maybe when you get older maybe that long time off you get to get a lot of training in and your body heals or whatever the case might be but 
Well, Connor keeps losing, so he's got to he's got to be careful. Yeah, Connor yeah. hadn't won a Connor hadn't won a fight since that, except for those shoulder strikes for Cerrone. So Connor's got to be he's got to be careful. Like, I mean, he kind of slid by because he lost it. You know, Nate and he came back, and then he was kind of like there was a streak there where he made what was he was a uh, he was on Forbes top five athletes or top two. I think it might have been highest and he hadn't won a fight that year. It's like how the hell I think he's happen? lost three out of his last four at least because Poirier yeah. twice and um, and Khabib obviously. Yeah. And if you count the boxing match with Mayweather that yeah. was the somewhat boxing match. So his last seven fights he's three and four. He lost to Diaz. That was the seventh fight, you know, furthest back. Then he beat Diaz. He beat Alvarez. Lost to Khabib. Beat Donald. Lost to Dustin twice. Uh, I was wondering earlier today, like, if he loses to someone like Michael Chandler, is that it? Like, does he hang up the gloves at that point? I I think there's still plenty of money for him to make, so I would say no, but... I think it's just like Chandler, you know, they're going to pick and choose and pick someone who would be a good fight because I'd like to see him and Gaethje. I think Gaethje crushes him, but that's me. He's, he's, such, way, a he's, name. Kinda... he's such a name. He'll, he'll, he won't go away until he wants to. He's still going to, he could probably lose this fight and two more and still get, you know, the highest, one of some of the highest pay-per-view ratings the UFC's ever seen. He owns like the top four highest pay-per-view sales or three right. of the four, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think it's, well, it's kind of, it's kind of his body, body to, uh, to use. I mean, it's one of those, it's, he's another one of those guys who are like the exact opposite reasons are like when we were talking about like Anthony Smith and those guys earlier. It's, it's like, you know, I think his total takeaway from the Mayweather fight all said and done was like a hundred million dollars. Plus, he's got, you know, like his media company stuff now and his whiskey thing and other stuff like that. So it's like man, like the smart money would be like, hey, under no circumstances fight anymore. Like train and have a good time and stuff. But it's like like fighting is just the worst thing for, for your body. Like just, just freaking stop, dude. You're in your mid-30s. You got some kids. Like just, just be done with it. Yeah, yeah, box yeah he'll every couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, like well, that, that was kind of the thing I was talking about. You know, with some of those guys, like man, like, like go do like jujitsu competitions, stuff like that. You know, something I get it. Like, like I'm 37 and still compete. You know, in shooting and jujitsu stuff all the time. So I still I've got the drive. But it's like, stop going and getting your brain smashed out. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be 35 in mid July. So yeah, I mean he's 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 taking some damage lately. So probably not a bad thing to consider. What do you think as far as the matchup, though? Like, if he was going to fight anybody in the top five, is that the best matchup for him, for McGregor? Like, his best mm. chance of winning? That's a good question. I see it. It's uh, it's very comparable to, like, the Chad Mendez fight back when he won the featherweight, uh, like, interim or whatever it was. Because um, Mendez was a very short guy. A wrestler, but who didn't really use a lot of like control-based wrestling. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mendez is kind of very similar. Mendez is very aggressive. He's a good striker, but he's a short dude, and so I feel like he's going to give Connor a lot of chances to hit him, which is not a good thing. But right, 
first. I, I, so I'm looking at the top five right now. And the top five, with Islam being the champ, you've got Charles Oliveira, number one, Dustin Poirier, number two, Justin Gaethje, number three, Benel Dariush at four, Chandler at five. And I think of the, of the five, Chandler's probably his best chance. Because Chandler likes to bang, so he's just going to stand there yeah. and, and go at it. Yeah, I think, if he beats Chandler and then Islam turns around and wins, they could almost have a another whole blowout sale. Because I wouldn't be shocked to... <laughs> I mean, obviously, Charles wants to chaw the title. They gave it to him. He, he wasn't ready to come back. So he's going to fight Darush or whatever coming up. And obviously, if he wins, the winner of that should get the next shot. Um, he should get another shot. But money-wise, I'm sure the UFC would love to have another... McGregor versus Dagestan main event, and because that would probably just it would be like almost as good as him versus Khabib too, almost. It would well, look, looking up. looking at it from a strategic standpoint, a strategy standpoint, if you're Charles Oliveira, are you like, yeah, go ahead and make that fight, because if Connor does win, you know Oliveira is easily going to beat Connor for that championship. And if not, well, then maybe, you know, it, he, it gives him more time to watch uh, Islam fight and come up with a strategy to maybe beat him the second time. Yeah, it, I mean, it could. I mean, his strategy the next time should be don't get hit in the face by a two down the center because <laughs> his, his, like, he ate shots from Gaethje and those guys and, and came back and beat them, but they don't have the grappling of, you right. know, Khabib and, his, and Islam and those guys. Like, he was able to, like, pull himself back together, and when he got hurt in that first round, he just never came back. And then when he went down the second time and he wasn't all there, you know, you know that saying, black belt turns into a brown, turns into a purple, turns into a blue. Charles just turns into a lighter shade of a black belt, but still that's was enough to get caught yeah and he gets hurt by everyone i actually like grand you're talking about like he's got a plate in his leg you know super you know like a few years out of his prime mcgregor but i actually think mcgregor probably beat Oliveira relatively easily because Oliveira, he's not a very good wrestler he's a good very good jujitsu guy but he gets hit and hurt by every single person and mcgregor has good power and wouldn't wouldn't for a single second try to follow him to the ground he just you know so it's it's the interesting thing about the MMA, you know, stuff with that because it's like you got like Poirier and Gaethje who are both very good strikers. Poirier is a relatively good grappler, but he's not a good wrestler at all. Gaethje should be a good wrestler, but he doesn't do any wrestling in MMA whatsoever. So he gets hurt and then can't deal with the ground stuff, you know. Now, Darius, though, I feel is a good striker and he's got good grappling. Yes, yeah. So he's going to be someone that'll be interesting to watch and could probably easily win that. I thought I had something on here about him coming up. There is something. Hold on a second. I know it's got it's a picture. Uh, I kind of think he'd be the toughest fight for Islam of the guy sitting right now. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like Armin Sarukian. I think that was who it was, the Armenian guy that Islam fought several fights back who's a very good 
wrestler. They had some of like the best like wrestling exchanges, like you know, foot sweeps and stuff on the feet is really good stuff. Now, it was announced recently. As a matter of fact, it was yesterday. Um, preliminarily, it looks like it is Oliveira and Benel May 6th at UFC 288. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. I knew there was something. I was like, I've got, I've got news. I just can't remember what it was, but that's what it was. So yeah, and Charles has Charles has brought in some bigger guys too, which he needs because he's got a great camp, and he's just got all like, like he's like the biggest dude and the high level guys at his camp in San Paulo there. So they kind of brought in some heavier guys to this next camp for him that'll give him a chance to, you know, get some working with some dudes that are a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, which I think will. Well, now when you say bigger, are we talking 155 ers 170 or well, I mean 155 ers nowadays will weigh 185, so I mean like Charles. So um yeah. a couple of guys from um like Chris Nogara school, um, which is Valley Top Team, some of his fighters that are really, really good BJJ practitioners, but more more Muay Thai guys, but there's a couple of those guys that are like middleweights. Um, mm. and Walter weights and stuff, but I mean they probably walk around at over 200 pounds. So hell, Charles walks around at 180 to 190. So good lord. Um, yeah, so I know he's you know he's got to be you know <laughs> it's like it's like whatever weight you are now, it's like pretty much plan on cutting 20, 30 plus pounds for especially the lighter weight classes. Like it was like that picture I sent the other day of. Alex standing next to St. Pierre. It's like oh, those two yeah. guys are the same weight class, like champion same weight class. It was like what? Yeah, we're oh I closed it. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, he's way bigger than GSP. Remember the I, first I thing I noticed when I saw uh is one of the pictures of uh Pereira like standing next to somebody was how big that dude's hands are. And I was like, this is like, I mean, I know he's six, four, like listed or whatever, but like you look at the guy's hands and they look like they must be like that freaking big, like in his gloves. <laughs> it's like, dude. Yeah. Uh, there we go. I'll share this thing here in a second. Yeah. He's a big dude. How, how does that work if you have different hand sizes and somebody's a giant and it's a four ounce <laughs> Right. Well, because that was, I remember like back in the day, that was one of the things that they were making a big deal out of when Brock Lesnar was fighting uh, Shane Carwin was that uh, they had to have specially made gloves for Brock Lesnar because his hands were so big. But Shane Carwin was the first person to ever come in and need a glove size bigger than Brock Lesnar, you know, because they were like basically billing it, you know, as the, uh, as the fight of like the white gorillas or whatever. But uh yeah, like he's so big. <laughs> he's huge. He makes GSP look like a 155 pound guy. He's huge. I mean, he weighs, sure. 230, weighs 235. So he's literally a middle. If he just fought in his walk around weight, he would literally be in the middle of the heavyweight division almost. <laughs> wow. Good Lord. 
Yeah. Well, that's what you get when, like, half the fights now, you weigh in, like, 36 hours before fight time, so... Yeah, you think I, cut, they... I, cut, I cut 33 before, so I felt it. But you get, like you said, you got 36 hours, so it was literally back up to over 230. The dude I was fighting weighed almost 240, and we're both fighting 205. I'm like, why the hell didn't we just take this and just be like, all right, let's just <laughs> not cut weight. Let's yeah. just agree to call it 205, but not actually weigh in. Like, can we do that? Right. Can we, like, make a gentleman's agreement about this next time? Because this sucks. No, well, that's kind of almost like what one championship is like. Like, all of their weight classes are the same name, but they're, like, the weight above what would be in, like, UFC weight classes. You know, it's like you, if you fight it, like, lightweight, like, you weigh in at 170, but you have to make, like, the hydration, like, the specific gravity, like, test they do with, like, your urine for, you know, or whatever. Because exactly, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, are we, okay, if we're both fighting at 205, but we both walk around at 225, like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially especially Alex, because man, that's I. That's why he's beat Izzy. I feel like those times he's had that, just that size and strength. Izzy's always out techniqued him and out striked him on that stuff. But he's fighting a dude. I mean, Izzy's like a little over two hundred pounds, two ten. He's fighting a dude that's just drastically bigger than him. Like, no wonder he hits him with a left hook in fourth or fifth round, or just like the kickboxing fights, and he's out. It's like he's fighting a dude that yeah. should be a weight class or two up above him. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yep, that's the game. It sure is. So what do you guys think about that weight cutting thing? Do you think they should change it to make it more realistic or just let it keep going as is? It's kind of just people feel different, you know what I mean? Like they, you kind of guys come in the gym and it's like, you know, they weigh 225 and then you're grappling. You're like, man, they're strong. And then it's like. Oop. Okay, we'll catch you when you get back. And re- I, I bring it up. Um, I was listening to Paul Felder recently on the Joe Rogan experience. And he said he believes he's caused damage to his kidneys with all the weight cuts he's gone through. Oh, for certain. Yeah, like renal issues are, are like a known deal with that. And um, I know why you can't do it this way. But like if you compete in the IBJJF, like for jujitsu. You literally like the only like you can't weigh in until so they have like a board and it has like six matches on the board or whatever on the mat that you're on and you can't weigh in until your name appears on the board so it's like so your name will pop up at the bottom of the board and then as you get as your match gets moved up you like you move up so as soon as your name appears you can go weigh in and then you basically go to the bullpen and wait and uh you know so obviously you can cut weight but you can't do like the super water cut i mean i know why they can't do it for mma because you could not have like a you know, you couldn't have a John Jones versus Cyril gone, have the card, everything set, like all this or that. And then, well, granted, they're heavyweights, but, you know, it's like, I use a bad example. But, like, <laughs> no, you know, I but, know what uh, you mean. But then you have, like, you know, John Jones steps on the scale and he's like, 266.5. Oh, sorry, fights off, you know, or whatever, like, you know, like, like four minutes before they fight. Like, I know exactly like, why you couldn't do it, but, I mean, something more along those lines would be a little bit, you know, at least it would be healthier. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, well, some people's I mean, bodies are different too. Like, I don't think Izzy and those guys can cut that much weight. Like, that would be like Izzy making it to one seventy. Like, I don't, just don't think his body could do it. Prayer is just water does that, and he's able to make it. And 
I don't think I'm going to – it's definitely a huge advantage on his, his point. And, and, Jr. when you cut out, um, while you were gone, I was saying I listened to Paul Felder on the Joe Rogan experience, and he, he believes that he caused kidney damage going through all of the weight cuts that he did. And looking back, if he knew then what he knew now, he would have done things differently. But does that mean, if we know people are damaging themselves, should we, should it go to like a 1FC or where you do a urine test? Or should it be like, uh, like Lane was just saying, like the old high school wrestling meets where you get there, you're, the meet starts at 6, at 5 o'clock you're weighing in? I like the way the 1FC does it. I mean, at least something, because it's just, it's gotten so out of hand, you know, like these crazy weight cuts. But, I mean, at the same time, guys are like, I mean, you're also getting in a cage for money with four-ounce gloves versus another highly trained human being beating the shit out of each other. So, like, we're not, we're not. <laughs> We're not sticking with the Wi-Fi very well. <laughs> I'm curious. So he, I assume that when he was cutting weight, he was mostly cutting water weight because he he was always in very good shape. But it makes me curious about people like Patty Pimbleton or Max Holloway. Like walks around at 200 and cuts down to 145. Like what? Are they well, I'd heard somebody like some people that are either in or have been a part of Patty Pimblett's camp have talked about that, like his camps are mostly like, it's almost just like a fat camp, like, as opposed to like, yeah, you know, like yeah. really like, you know, getting like fight ready and, and adding skill and stuff like that. It's more like just getting the guy down to weight, you know, cause I, I saw like his last fight against Jared, whatever his name was. I thought he lost that fight hands down, like no question, you know, but he's, yeah. he's an Irish cash cow, but like, yeah, like, it's like, I'm trying to think of who said it now. It escapes me, but um, that's basically what they said is because he gets so so fat like outside of camp that instead of coming in and just like doing highly prepared stuff, it's like basically just trying to get the guy down to weight. So, you know, I think yeah. he definitely caught up with him in the last one. But Jared Gordon. Gordon, there you go. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Gordon won that fight. Yeah. I, I haven't run into somebody yet that thinks Patty won that fight. <laughs> I haven't either. That's because Patty uh, definitely did not win that fight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny, like, in the post-fight press conference, uh, Dana White was shitting on, on Gordon, saying Gordon wasn't trying in the last round. But, like, I don't know what he was watching, but... Wow. I don't think it was... Yeah. Watching your, your, new British, your new British superstar that's going to make you a lot of money. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know, and, and Lane, I heard the same thing, and I want to say, again, I heard it on one of Joe Rogan's episodes. You're probably right about fighters. that. Like, yeah. And I don't, I don't think it was. Um, I know it wasn't Paul Felder. I think it might have been Bilal Muhammad that episode. Oh, it was. I remember it now. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah, I, I heard that too, and I was like, holy cow. Yeah, it's like all it is is a fat camp, and it's like, that's crazy. Well, no wonder And that's the like really that. unhealthy stuff is like, I mean, like yeah. weight cutting is obviously like bad, but like when you are like essentially purposely like ballooning up and then cutting it like that, like that's really bad. 
you know, for, for that. Yes. And, it's, and especially because the guy's young enough, it's one of those, he's not going to notice it now. And then in five years, it's going to be absolutely wrecked from, from doing that dumb shit, you know? And then it's also like, like how much are you adversely affecting your career by A, not just having better diet and, and general stuff, but it's like you're taking away, especially when you're like newer, you have to fight more often. So like you want as much time in the training room for skill acquisition as you can get. But if you basically have to go in the training room just to lose weight, you know, and that's essentially like the whole focus, it's, it's like that's obviously not good for your development. Yeah, he, he's going to reach his peak pretty quick. Gets up to yeah. what is it almost 200? What is it almost 200 pounds? I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's what I heard. Yeah, <laughs> already blows up to 200 pounds in between fights, and not muscular either. Yeah, so you're talking about losing 50 pounds. What's he losing? 25 percent of his body weight in the camp. Like, and you always see him posting pictures and stuff of him like eating eating really shitty food and and stuff like that. You know, it's like I guess if you gained a bunch of weight by eating steak and vegetable vegetables. Be- Vesticles, damn it. Vegetables. <laughs> like because I don't know what my mind was thinking over there. That sounds like vesticles. But like... <laughs> uh, we're going to have some plant testicles tonight. <laughs> that was the IVJJF coming out. <laughs> oh, goodness. That was funny. Now, there are some other fights coming up that I'm interested in. I'm interested in this Nikita Krylov and um, Ryan Spann fight. I think that'll be a good fight. When's that one and, coming up? <clears throat> uh, that, that one's the 25th. That's in two weeks. And that's a fight night. So I don't know if that's uh, an e- uh, on TV on an ESPN or if it's a ESPN Plus. They're on, isn't, that, it AB, isn't it ABC or something now has it too? Or is that... The yeah, last, they do. The last couple of, yeah, have a couple of shows that are on ABC now. Yeah, but this one is um, it is ESPN Plus. But there's the more intriguing. What was the other thing they just changed to? Like now you don't have like the red corner and the blue corner. You have the prime hydration zone. Is that oh, what they, yeah. that it's called? Yeah. Some weirdness. <laughs> I don't get it. Now the other fight on this card in two weeks. I'm very curious about, and it's Tatiana Suarez. She's going to be making her debut, and I couldn't tell you when the last time she fought. But she won the um, Ultimate Fighter, and we're, and I think she was supposed to fight, um, shoot, who just lost, lost the belt to um, Weilang Ji. Oh, Joanna? No, um, not Joanna. Rose, right? What's oh, no. that? Um, the Cookie Monster. What's her name? Oh, Carla Esparza? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Carla. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Never mind. Oh, she. It was one sided. The... Well, yeah, I assumed she... it would be. Yeah. I'm like, now I'm trying she to think if I watched it or not. I don't beat the brakes off of her. I mean, I assumed that's what would have happened. That's why, yeah, I definitely, I'm pretty sure I didn't watch it. But... She definitely cut some weight for that fight because there's no way those two girls are. <laughs> Like she's way bigger than her. I saw that. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be bad. And then she grabbed her. I'm like, yep, never mind. Well, Lee's been like legit good, and she's been training with Henry Cejudo uh, for a while now. So her, her wrestling stuff's gotten much, much better. Uh, it's, it's been four um, years uh, since John she's Oh, Okay. 
I think I've I've always liked Tatiana Suarez. Like Me I think too. Be a champ already. If it weren't for I think it was a neck injury, right? That's kept her out for the past couple of years or something like that. I don't that. know if it was a neck or a knee or let me see if I can Google that. But yeah, there was definitely something that has, she's had some serious injury issues. Um, she, but, she was huge at 115. Like she looked like she was three weight classes above all the girls she was fighting. So well, I think, and she has a TKO victory over um, Carla already. Okay. All right, here we go. Let me see if I can find out. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's all injuries, but it doesn't say. Um, oh, she wants to fight Rose pretty bad. Because she's I, heard I Rose, she's heard Rose might move up to 125, and she said I'd move up to fight her. Oh, okay. Well, I thought uh, I thought Montana De La Rosa was a 125er. Didn't didn't she just lose recently to Shevchenko? Or no? Am I mixing her up with somebody else? Uh, De La Rosa. Yeah. I th I thought De La Rosa. I thought Montana was on the same Ultimate Fighter as Tatiana. She was. I thought Tatiana was coming back and fighting at 125 for some reason. Hmm. I'll have to check. Now here, so here it is. So we were both right, Joel. Okay. Initially, she had a neck injury, which sidelined her for two years. Then she was supposed to fight Roxanne Modafferi in 2021 and had a knee injury and had to withdraw. So okay. two years with a neck year and a half with an E and we were just talking about Montana. Let me look her up real quick. Oh, you know, what? I was mixing her up with somebody else. Oh, okay. You say, cause Montana's the Shevchenko's last fight, the Brazilian oh. chick, the grappler girl. I feel like Shevchenko has a fight coming up. She does. Um, do, 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 do. I'm uh, let me go back. She does have a title fight coming up in the not too distant future. And it is. Well, shoot. Oh, well, he's oh, like, Lane, are you a fan of it, uh, Tatiana? She's to be honest, uh, I don't think I know anything about her. Like, oh, okay. this, is, this is you guys. You guys got this one. <laughs> Maybe. Like the name sounds so familiar, but I'm like, I honestly can't put a single fight with it. You know. I want you to watch her because I think you'll love her. You're you like the grapplers and to yeah, be, like yeah. she's I'll, like the the Islam Makachev of of women. Nice. Because I have like like Valentina is like my that is the pinnacle of femaleness for me is Valentina. <laughs> I would have babies with her tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think most guys would. <laughs> be little now, violent sons of bitches. But, she's uh, the co-main event with John Jones and Cyril Gaon. Oh, nice, nice. Alexa Grasso. Okay. I knew she was coming up. I just couldn't remember when. Um... But, yeah, Montana's been fighting at, it looks like, 125. Okay. 
Yeah, now she sounds familiar. Isn't she the one that, like, vacated the belt because she didn't want to fight Shevchenko or something weird like that? Like, no, that was Nico Montano. Oh, okay. All right. All right, let me... Cause, yeah, because that was a girl who... She won the belt, basically, from, like, a season of The Ultimate Fighter. And then yeah. the first time she had to actually fight, they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me... I'm Which was a good choice for her, because that would have been... That would have been a very one-sided affair, but uh, yeah. it's still kind of embarrassing. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm looking at her now. Uh, I think she's going to get smashed by Suarez. Just one-sided. Beat down. Maybe first round. So there she is. Um... No odds yet, at least not on this page. But yeah, I mean, and I mean, look, she only has she's eight no. She only has five fights in UFC, but she dominated everybody on the Ultimate Fighter. She's TKO'd Esparza, and she's a wrestler. And Esparza could not wrestle her, who she's a wrestler. So it's going to be interesting. She's yeah, also it looks got like really good judo. Oh, does she really? She, yeah, she's trained. She trains. Um, so my friend in Brazil, actually my head coach's sister, uh, another UFC girl, Kalindra, um, has trained with her before. Um, and a while back, they were talking about her coming back and how just dominant she is, like um, you know, on takedowns, wrestling, judo type throws, and then her just they said like her sense of kilos or her side control. You know, they call it 100 kilos for their, you know, their side control. They're like, she weighs like, it's like she weighs 250 pounds on side control. Kalindra said she's just crazy pressure. And, um, yeah, that's going to be dope that she's coming back. Yeah. Hopefully she's yeah. in the same form she was before. I agree. I'm hoping. If she is, she's going to be, uh, she's going to be a tough one to contend with. Yeah, they're even showing her. Lady Jocker, eh? Yeah, yeah, they're showing her old weight of one fourteen on here, and uh, Montana De La Rosa being one twenty five. So, I guess Tatiana has moved up. Interesting. But that was the other fight coming up that I was. I'm very interested in on that one card. Now, I, w I will say the Cyril Gone John Jones card is going to be, it's got a lot of really good fights on it. All right, where are you at? Come on now. I don't want to play this game. Yeah, it's got Shevchenko and DeGrasso, like you mentioned. Yep. And Jeff Neal and Shavkat Rachmanov. Rachmanov is my sleeper favorite. Dude, Rachmanov, uh, now that could be a good fight. That is going to be a... I, I see Jeff Neal going to sleep. You've also got Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker. That'll be a good fight. You got Bo well, Nickel. I think I think Hooker just I think he's out now. 
Because didn't they just oh, say he broke a hand? I feel oh, like I just no. read that today or yesterday. I think he broke his hand and is out. Okay. Yeah. But you do have Bo Nickel um, going against Jamie Pickett. I don't know Jamie Pickett. Oh, Penn State represent there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this, to me, is going to be a very interesting fight at 185. Let me... I got to pull this one up. I got to share this one. While you're pulling that up, I'll just add Jeff Neal's last fight was against Vicente Luque, and he beat, he knocked him out. And Luque has been look, looking amazing in his past four or five. Really? Okay. But I like this fight. We all agree that Drickus Duplessy has, like, the best name ever. <laughs> yes. And I like that dude. I like watching him fight, and he's going to fight Derek Brunson. That's going to be a fight. And he's a pretty overwhelming favorite. Wow. That's one of those things, like, we were talking about earlier, people not taking a chance fighting somebody outside the top ten. Like, that's... I don't know what Drykus is ranked, but I feel like ten. that's nice on Brunson's part to take that fight. Brunson's five, and uh, Drykus is ten. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know So, that. I kind of feel like that might be a UFC thing, saying... One of you guys is fighting this dude uh, because he's probably going to be moving up towards a title fight. Yeah, rankings get deceiving, too. If Brunson, for some reason, beat him, then that's mm -hmm. definitely going to move Brunson up. Just because he's ranked number 10 doesn't mean Brunson's not going to move up if he beats him. Because that dude's nasty. and everybody, It's all rep. Yeah. I mean, I know the rankings, but they can only move him around so much. But it's all reputation. and Right. I'm sure they had to put, I'm sure they enticed Derek to, plus he doesn't have a lot of, you know, he's got close to the title a couple of times. So pretty much like it's your shot if you want to keep working your way up. So we had to fight this kid. Well, it's interesting with that. Cause it's like, you look at, uh, so his fight with, uh, with Adesanya wasn't particularly close, but somehow Pereira managed to get out wrestled by Adesanya. So it's like, you know, you wonder if there's a guy who, like Izzy could easily handle, but if they could get in and wrestle Pereira, if that would, you know, completely just chop up how all that works, you know, because I think, I mean, Israel's biggest mistake is that he wanted to win a kickboxing match against a guy who's a very good kickboxer and he got, he got what he wanted. <laughs> he stood in front of him until he got cracked, you know? And Yeah. He won four out of five rounds, except that all so important last round where you didn't stand back up from it. <laughs> Well, and that one was weird watching because, I mean, I thought Adesanya was outpointing him. I thought he lost, I think it was the first round or the second round. Mm -hmm. But it was like the whole time I was watching it, I, I never, I always got the sense that anytime Pereira wanted to turn it on, he could crack him because he did a couple of times throughout the fight. And then he kind of like, sort of like, you know, backed away or took his foot off of the gas, you know. But I, I just, I don't know, I, I got the impression. I'm like, man, if he ever just decides to just not take his foot off the gas on one of those. I feel like he's, you know, could put him down, but. I think he was I, conservative. I think that weight cut is so hard. It's got to affect him at some, some level. Got it. Because he's, he, it almost seemed like he was just not wanting to take his cardio 
to, to, you know, to, until, you know, Colin Knight not blow his load and make sure he picked the exact right moment, which he did. That mean the fifth round, but that that weight cut's gotta affect him at 185. Like, well, that was his first time fighting five so rounds big. too, so it's probably yeah. You know, I mean, he got hurt at the end of what was the round, round where he got one. tagged like right at the bell. You round know, one. Um, there you go. Yeah, because yeah. it was like it was like round two or three or whatever after that. I thought he he like you know he had Israel like you know like stung a couple of times, but kind of just like hung back, and I, it kind of makes sense. It's like hey, you know, like like how much do you want to sell out, you know, or is he playing a little bit of possum? you know, kind of throughout some of that, but. And I, I think it's scary that his corner tells him you have to knock him out and he just walks him down and starts banging him. And then the fight's over in the fifth round. I was like, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's like, again, I I thought Adesanya was on his way to winning the decision. I didn't think he won every round up till that. Pretty handling. Right. But, um, but yeah, but the whole time I was watching it, I just I, I always thought that he was going to finish him if he just decided to. It just it just looked like that because he was able to just stand right in front of him, like and control the center so much when he wanted to, and Adesanya couldn't ever really back him away from that. You know, I just never got the I, I you know like I, I just never got the sense that uh, that Adesanya could keep him away if he didn't want to be kept away. Yeah, I I agree. It seemed like whenever he wanted to touch him, he could touch Izzy. And I, I, I was watching and I'm like, I've never seen anybody touch Izzy like this. Not even at light heavyweight, I didn't feel like um, Jan Blahovich was touching him that way. I was like, this is different. This dude is completely different than anybody I've seen fight Izzy. Well, his knees are stupid. Like... Like you have to be so careful with where you keep your hands around a guy like that because he'll step in with that, like high knee, that jumping knee stuff, you know. And it just, yeah. like like that mix of stuff just keeps guys so freaking, you know, frozen, so honest with their freaking hand placement, you know. Now, this is a guy I feel that is probably on the verge of retirement because of abuse he's taken. But you've got Cody Garbrandt taking on Julio Arce. I can't. Im- I kind of feel like if Cody doesn't win this, he's going to lose by knockout. <laughs> That's how I feel now with Cody. If you're just playing based on uh, recent history, you would not be wrong, sir. <laughs> right. Let's see here. I want to check out his latest because it's not good. Because well, he, he cut down to 125, or did he cut down to 135? Because then he immediately got knocked out again. But uh, He's down to 125 now. 25, there you go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... Eesh. Kai Kara France knocked him out. He hasn't fought in a year and a half. Well, not quite a year and a half. A little over a year, about 14 months. So, he did knock out Rafael Lasunso, but that was almost three years ago well and that was right at the end of the fight and a fight that he was losing and it was like literally you know he threw a haymaker like kind of you know just like like right hook like off of the fence and slept him but otherwise it was gonna go down as another l out of his last six fights he said he's lost four by knockout 
No. TJ knocked him out twice. Pedro Munoz knocked him out once. And his last fight, Kai Kara France knocked him out. So in the first round. That doesn't bode well. No. And he's a guy, you know, that's one of those people where it's like, man, at what point do you just not want to see a guy take damage? Because, I mean, if you're if you're having that kind of chin issues, like fighting at, like, bantam weight and stuff, like, you've got, you've got, like, bad, you know, bad problems, you know, as far as your concussion-related stuff going on. And his style has always been stand in the pocket and bang, like, trade shot for shot. So, and it's catching like, up to him now. His game, yeah. It's done caught him, I think, and it's pulled him down. <laughs> well, and yeah, his yeah. chin is way different now than it used to be. And, I mean, those knockouts, they change you. I mean, they do. I've seen a lot of those shots like that change guys. I mean, it's just, you know. And I don't know if it's even – if it's neurological or, I mean, what it is. But, I mean, you see guys that I think their so. chins change. It's also a lot more money in the bank now. And he's older and other priorities and not as much pride. It's more of a business I, than pride. So, there's a lot of factors, I think, that go into that. I, I – I like to compare it to the NFL before they had all the protected quarterback rules. Like, look at Troy Aikman. I feel like Troy Aikman could have had a much longer career, and maybe even Steve Young, had they been playing with the rules of today, but they had so many concussions, it shortened their career. And getting knocked out is a concussion. So... I feel like those guys aren't taking enough time between those nasty knockouts and they're just getting concussion after concussion after concussion and it's just it's it shortens their career significantly. Like I I couldn't believe I mean look at Tony now since you know some of his wars and how fast and then especially that that knockout with Chandler. Like, Dude, well the Gagey fight that was just gross. Yeah. Like like you're literally watching a guy get years carved off of his life out there and it's like mm-hmm. we were talking about this like earlier on before you got here but, but that's one of those where like at the end of the third round like corner just throw the towel in it's like you came here to figure out who the better fighter was we know save the guy like so he doesn't yeah, have yeah. To he looked, out he there, looked completely know, like, different even versus charles like we were you know obviously well he like, got who was it oh man we were watching that fight but we're like man tony just doesn't look like tony no well, it was yeah. like between, well, the Dariush fight and the Charles fight, I forget which was which, but one of them basically like broke the shot of his arm, the other one fucked his knee all up, you know, so it's like you add that in with like the the, the, the just absolute beating he took against Gagey. I mean, that's probably the worst that you've ever seen somebody get beat in the octagon. Just like, it, it, yeah. was, I mean, it was something to watch. And some of his and some of his wins when he was like on that ridiculous win streak, I mean, he had some wars mixed in there as well on his winning streak for years there when he was, you know, top of his game. So, yeah, that guy, he's just, that's just, that's just time to call it, call it a career and go, go coach or something if that's what you want to do. Right. Because that poor guy, God, he's, yeah. Well, I mean, what else has he got to prove? And when he was in yeah, his prime, like, he was know, one of the best at his weight class in the world, hands down. Well, it's like for fighting, those guys are old, but not for life. You know, like you get in like your your mid thirties, right. and you're you're kind of past. Like, hey, you're 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 at the end of like fight life. But it's like, like I'm thirty seven. Like, 
I mean, I feel old from combat sports, but I, I'm not like actual old. You know, it's like that if I, I had know. 40 fights under my freaking belt and all the concussion related problems, it's like, dude, you're going to live, you know, even with all those problems, you're going to live another 30, 40 years anyways. Like, you know, what, what's your quality of life that you want it to be? Right. Do you want to have, you know, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and everything else at 58? You know? So, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. Some of those guys, somebody needs to just tell them if they're done. Maybe somebody in the UFC needs to say, look, we're going to retire you for your own good. But. Yeah, some guys, it's just, they're just, it's just like some of the guys that stay in, stay in the military or stay in some operating or being cops and all too long. They just, that's all they know. And it's like their whole identity and they just cannot get over that hump of taking that next step in life and changing. It's just like, man, just you've already proven it like you're set you know yeah when you you hear nfl guys talk about it a lot of times just as far as like like how often i mean it's the norm that like the new guys they don't get a financial advisor they don't have that sort of stuff so it's like you have this like short period i forget you know like what the average actual length of like an nfl career is it's probably what like two years or something like that you know and it's like you're gonna make what is otherwise like a lot of money relatively speaking like have some sort of like you know, plan where, where that's going to like set you up for future success, but they don't. And I think fighting, you obviously don't make as much money, you know, but it's, it's very Nowhere similar. Nowhere near as much. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, it, but it's like, Hey, you know, if you like, whatever you're doing financially, like use that money to like, you know, I don't know, set up a gym or, or whatever that's going to like be paying you money after that versus just basically banking on like the actual income from your fights and then getting and then having nothing to fall back on and, and doing what those guys are doing being forced to take fights at 47 and stuff like that you know and and who is I mean, the, um, to say, but most of my buddies don't even have health insurance like they rely on the promoters like after my last fight with my broke hand i remember sitting in the back with the one guy and they were like yeah do you have secondary like you know after the promoter's insurance and i'm like yeah you know here's mine dude next to me is like nope other dude down the road's like got like secondary nope i'm like good grief guys like you guys are you guys are professional fighters like you don't have health insurance like what happens if you got your leg broke like a week ago in training like promoter ain't paying for that like you're screwed like you're done like what are you doing like it's just right yeah there's a lot of that and but a lot of this money too i mean it's a lot of guys that are you know trying to scrape i mean these guys in the ufc we were just talking about that before we came on earlier remember i was talking to you dave was like you were like, yeah, this 10 and 10 to show them. Like, 10 and 10? Dude, some dudes are 2,500, 2,500. <laughs> yeah, the you pay your manager, pay your gym, and whatever else, you know. And, yeah, it's. I, I think I've kind of, like, long had the opinion that the, uh, the best-kept secret from, like, martial arts, like, competitive martial arts, is how fucked up the people are that do it. Because, like, nobody comes away from a fight without broken finger foot's a little wonky like busted a toe like you know at the at the bare minimum let alone like when you like actually like you know hurt something really badly like like you're just like dudes are like messed up messed up all the time but you never know about anything except for like the catastrophic injuries and who is the um who's the former alabama linebacker he's a middleweight a lefty um oh yeah he shoot. just won the other day when he came back, he, he went down to South America and had the stem cell and all done. I believe he did. He, yeah. like Lane was saying, 
I think he owns like 18 rental properties. He has taken all the money that he has won and invested it so that he said he doesn't even have to fight anymore. He's going to fight three or four more times and be done. That's smart. That's great. Yeah, real smart. Look at, yeah, look at Connor. Connor's got all of his company. I mean, you can say what you want about the guy and his antics, but he knows how to pro promote a fight, and he is a fantastic businessman as far as on the fight promoting the money he's made on that stuff and whatever his managers and wealth managers and financial advisors done. I mean, what did he sell proper? His, it's like his 50 or 60, like, 60 mil, 100 mil, something like that. It was a lot of yeah, money. Oh, yeah, I thought lot. it was more than that. It was like, I thought it was like even more than that, like a couple hundred or something. Something crazy. Like, this is what just sold a whiskey company for, like Proper 12. I'm like, what? Like, it's genius, you know, for, I mean, <laughs> smart to do. Yeah, you have a lot of guys, but at the same time, too, you have guys that, like, try and then, like, Maybe they just suck at teaching. Like we talked, we were talking about that with one of my in the day. Like you know, um, I'm trying to remember the guy that just moved into our hometown that opened a school. Uh, another UFC guy, um, really really good black belt in BJJ. He's done some uh, even some IBJJF gi stuff. I'm trying to remember. It's going to drive me nuts. I'll look it up later. But you know, anyway, like there's a lot of guys like that that like start gyms and then they just go nowhere. And you're like. That guy's got a gym. Like that guy's a former UFC, and like I didn't even know he had a gym in our town. Like, how does there's only a few pro guys like in our area? How did we not know that he was here with a gym? And it's like, does he not market it? Does he not do this? And it's like, you know, you would you would think you know guys like that would with that type of you know pedigree would you know just be able to walk in anywhere and have a super successful gym. But some of them just I don't know what it is. It's it's weird. You think they'd all have gyms. I mean, there's so many towns around so popular now. I mean, I agree. Half, every town you go to now, it's got like eight BJJ gyms. So, Well, right. one of the issues, too, is like it doesn't matter what type of gym you're talking about, you know, fight gym, regular workout gym or whatever, which is like one of the problems is like you make your money on normal people. There's not enough – like you can't have a gym that makes money on serious people because there's not enough of them. So like you look at like even like the big fight gyms – most of them make their money on like regular exercise classes and stuff like that. You know, like, uh, like you see like Jackson wink and stuff like that is like, they have like regular, regular like classes in the gym and stuff. And that's like what keeps the lights on because they, they don't get paid until like a fighter gets paid from a fight. You know, if you're John Jones and yeah, you get a bunch of money, but the dude fights once a year. So it's like, you know, like, like where's your money going to come from? And, and yeah, I think. And 20, he's only get 20%. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, um, and and I think that's like I think those are some of like the best kept secrets that are like like kind of dark secrets. Is like like people think you know you because you you hear this like you know like Jackson Wink or like Team Quest or like you know Team Elevation or like these like just massive like powerhouse teams or whatever. And it's like it's like, dude, it's like women's fitness at six a.m. that keeps the lights on and places like that. It ain't. <laughs> It ain't like because you know, and you've been around like MMA guys, or you've been around like serious weightlifter dudes. One, they're the ones who cause the most damage to all of the equipment, they're the least likely to pay, they're the dirtiest, and they give you the most problems. As <laughs> like when it comes to like money and business related stuff, yeah. Half the other yeah our, our, our sparring the other day at ATT was like it's like eight professional, five heavyweights. Like, you don't get that many guys, and we were we were outside ATT waiting for the for one of their women's um, <laughs> fitness classes get done, done with. So 
yeah, just like you're saying, so we, we, we could get in the gym. We're like, what time can we go in there? Like, because it's just, but they got 40, 50 people in that class and tons of them. And wow. Isn't that why, but isn't that why John Jones, isn't that why Greg finally threw him out of uh, New Mexico there? Is because he said that how is he going to teach women self defense classes and have a guy that just got arrested for like his third or fourth <laughs> time for like domestic battery? I think that's what, I think that's what Greg said why he kicked him out. Um, I Which is, I mean, said, that's like, an integrity yeah. move. Like, I give a guy credit yeah. for that, you know. Yeah. I think it was, uh, I think yeah. it was the team alpha male guys, like, talked about, like, those guys, or maybe not the team alpha male. Who's, um, what were the other wrestlers, the guys who started, I think it was in Arizona, started a fight camp. Uh, I want to say it was, like, Bader and, uh, like, C.B. Dalloway and those guys. But, um, but anyways, but oh, like they, were, uh, they were at AKA and then they switched, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. I feel like maybe like it was them who like started like their own fight thing. But anyways, but like, I, and I've heard them and like the alpha male guys, like they themselves like have to teach like the women's classes or the basic classes or run the CrossFit class or, or whatever, you know, is like part of the gym. Cause that's like, that's just like how you make it work. And it's like, but like, nobody knows that. Cause you watch like UFC, you know, like uh like countdown to the fight show or whatever and it just it looks like this one guy just like has all these people around him like and so you know it's it's about it's about this guy today and all that and it's like nope you are watching you are watching this much of what uh what actually what goes on the time yeah. yeah well yeah last time we we're in orlando we got done rolling with jocker right? i mean you're talking about one of the best grapplers ever lives and he got done, and he couldn't go to dinner with us because they had to go cover the kids' class at night. So he's out there with like me, which, 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 what a bunch yeah. of lucky little shits is all I can yeah. say. Like, how lucky are they to be white belts, and, like seven yeah. acres old, and having Jacare Souza? Like, I don't know what their parents are That's paying a month and brought them there, but I hope they understand how lucky they are. Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, he couldn't go out to dinner after because he had to go be put in change, put a gi on because he was going to go teach, like you know. A seven and eight year old class, you have anybody cover the class that night, and so it's actually Jockery himself going in to teach a bunch of teach a kids class. That's awesome. Now, I put I put this up on the screen because after you've got Jones and gone, I think this is another one of those fights that is going to be very interesting where you have Jan and Valashvili. Valashvili. Good Lord. I didn't have that problem before. Um, number Marab. two and number three. Yeah, Marab, there you go. Cheater. Uh, JR, did you just get eaten? Almost. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting pretty, pretty crunk up in this building. It's about to, it's about to pop off in here. So, main card comes on in about four minutes. So I think it's, uh, I think they're, okay. they're getting pretty wild in Orlando. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it almost sounded like aliens attacked. And this is Orlando. Like he's like sitting so out by the interstate, just like cars going by. But <laughs> <laughs> this is or this is Orlando, so nothing would surprise me. It could be a car, it could be aliens. I, I don't you know. I won't be surprised to see what goes on in these, these buildings. These fight fight crowds out here are awesome. I I still think Peter Yan could be the champ again of that division. There's some interesting fights he had with uh, 
Aljamain. But I also like Volkov and Romanov as well. That's going to be a banging fight. How old is Volkov? He's been around uh, forever. He has. He's been around quite a while. Here we go. I'll find out in just a second. Make sure I spell his name right. Or Fedor just retired. Man, the, the Fedor finally retired. In that. Back in back in Pride days, like yeah, he really did. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was fighting in Pride. Like what a that guy's such a legend. It's insane to think he's still fighting. Right now, uh, Volkov is 34, and he's had 45 fights. Wow. Yeah. His, he, he TKO'd uh, Rosenstruck June of last year. In the video. So. She's, like, hiding directly behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you just see a uh, shape or <laughs> if she puts you in a rear naked choke, we're all gonna very much enjoy this. <laughs> Actually, I'm That's not getting getting out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be a good fight. Alexander Romanov. Let's uh I'm gonna pull him up real quick here. Oh, see I knew I'd spell one of them wrong. They don't spell their name all uh, let's see here. What? I don't want to trash any fighters, but like Marab, he's like one of those. Uh, every fight goes to the to the bell and decision, and not exciting for me personally. So his name is uh, his nickname. Romanov's nickname is King Kong. Yeah, same guy. I'm like, am I looking at the same guy here? Uh, he lost. His last fight was a decision loss to Marcin Tybura. Bless you. But he submitted Chase Sherman. Uh, I don't really... All the rest of the names are... Right, guys, he fought twice last year. One win, the submission against Chase Sherman by Keylock, and the decision loss to Marcin Tybura during the Usman Edwards two fight. Okay. And he has he's sixteen and one, so that's his only loss. It was by decision. Six KOs, nine submissions, only one decision. Heavyweights, man. Forearm choke. So he's won by key lock, forearm choke, arm triangle. It's like Somebody. catch wrestling. Those, wrestle, those Russians, man. That Russian Net catch wrestling. Frank. Yeah. Classic yeah. heavyweight submissions. Like, I just I yep. dig it. Dude, he's got two. Get that arm bar bullshit out of here and that leg lock stuff out of here. And do that yeah. Stuff. I'm just going to grab his jaw, the back of his head, and just twist until he taps <laughs> he's got two neck cranks and two forearm chokes 
Interesting. And and the key lock. Wow. Talk about, you know, maintaining variety there. Yeah. And and that's not counting the arm triangle, rear naked choke. He had one guy submit because he had he got injured. So one by TKO. He's got several knockouts. It'll be an interesting fight with uh Volkov then. And the last card I really wanted to talk about. Is coming up next month, March 18th. And it's a it's a doozy. It's a doozy. UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman 3. I got my money on Usman. Yeah. Yeah, I think her. I don't think he's gonna make the same mistake twice. Interesting. Vegas doesn't think he's going to make the same mistake again either. So, uh, no, <laughs> nope. They're like, yeah, we're not falling for it. But how about Justin Gagey and Rafael Faziv? That's going to be another banging fight. This card, this card's going to be good. Gunnar Nelson, Daniel Rodriguez, Marvin Vittori. Are you kidding me? Those are going to be some really good fights. That card is stacked. At least the main card is. There's a very good chance none of those go to the decision. Yeah, exactly. I love those cards. <laughs> Me too. They're very exciting. Now, some of these other guys, I don't know who they are, but um, they're still, you got some ranked guys. I don't know who Jack Shore is. I don't, I'm not familiar with them. He's ranked 15th. Come down a little bit further. Mohamed Makayev. He's 12th in the fly rate, flyweight rankings. Should be a very interesting card. I always like these cards that they have in Europe because you see a lot of European fighters that you wouldn't otherwise see. And I like, uh, like this guy from Serbia. I wonder if he's going to... If he's got some kickboxing style to him or something, they typically have that type of a lot of kicks. Who, uh, shoot, I'm having a brain fart. Who was the who was the guy from Pride? Talking about Crow Cop? Yeah, Crow Cop. He was he was Croatian, but yes. <laughs> right. He's eh, got a, Croatia, he, Serbia. It's like the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell them that. They take that yeah. very seriously. I know they do. Yeah, yeah. That will, There's yeah. like a whole war about it back in the 90s. That's like calling a Alabama fan a, and a Bulldog fan or something like to us. Oh, down right. It's a war. So Krokop's got a guy underneath him that's really good. That's in a, He's in the PFL as well over here. Krokop's been cornering him. Um, he's got several fighters. He's got a camp over there or He's coached up now. Really? I didn't know he was uh, cornering people. Yeah, yeah. He's got some guys underneath him that are... Uh, got a bunch of guys, a couple guys in the PFL here. Well, I still think one of the worst things that has ever happened in all of humanity is that Brendan Schaub somehow knocked out Crow Cop. Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. Like, yeah like, and Gonzaga got him with a head kick, too. Like, 
Earth. Oh, yes. Like, we deserve the meteor of fucking sweet redemption after that. Like, I just I can't, I can't handle it. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even, want, to, I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's Zaga yeah. head kicking him. I'm like, what? Yeah. Happened. That was like the last cool thing Gonzaga ever did. He was kind of like literally, yeah. He was kind of like the cool thing there for a little bit up to that fight, and then nothing really happened after that. Well, that's when what was it? I think he got yeah. he got starched by Shane Carwin right after that. I think so, and then that's and then that's when like Carwin and Lesnar and like all those those you know because Carwin's I mean he Carwin was the man. I mean he was yeah. incredibly yeah. skilled, and he was like super smart too. I think he was like an electrical engineer. Stuff for the state of Colorado, yeah, and like, yeah, something like that. I remember he went to like because he wrestled at Colorado School of Mines or whatever it's called. Yeah, he was really cool. And then all of a sudden, then you know, Junior and Kane came in and just start dominating the division there for the longest time. Well, I think Carwin had like a bad back injury or something in there too, and and something happened. He just disappeared. Yeah, yeah he I mean, just. I don't think he. I think he just fought when he because he wanted to. Like he was another one of those guys. He was a smart guy. I don't think he needed to. He didn't need to fight to pay his bills necessarily he might have made great money especially with that lesnar fight but that guy i'm sure he had plenty of options and he was probably smart enough to be like yeah you know what i like my body <laughs> that's good too I mean, especially as a heavyweight man because like yeah like you don't need to be in very many freaking knockdown dragouts as a heavyweight before you're suffering the freaking the negative effects of that yeah, yeah, because a four-minute, yeah. not overly exciting fight can cause tons of damage to the body. <laughs> like, it's just well, especially him and Lesnar. I mean, like both of them probably weighed what three fifteen, three twenty, like fight night. Maybe not that much. Maybe three hundred, three fifteen, like fight night. At yeah. least because oh, yeah. yeah. both of them had to cut to two sixty-five. So I mean, that's probably the biggest fight that's ever happened weight-wise in the UFC. <laughs> like, oh yeah, there was definitely yeah. well over six hundred pounds of human beings. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if the octagon just kind of arced a little bit in the middle. You know, just kind of sagged when they were in the middle of the ring. <laughs> That's a lot of weight. Yeah, and Carwin had him beat too until they just kept letting. It. You know that ref was like, "Until someone is dead, don't stop the fight." <laughs> he had to be told that because there was like I think a controversy right before that. You know, that was like the biggest fight in history at the time. I think pay per view wise, he's like, "Do not stop this fight early." Like. Whatever you do, like, till one of them is like legit, just not moving, and it's like, oh my god, is he alive still? Don't call, because tons of people are like, is, are they gonna call that? Because Brock's getting mauled right now. Like, how many times is he gonna let him hammer fist them? Right. But it's so weird because like Lesnar's arms are so long and so big that he still managed to somehow like. I mean, he got knocked down and then took some like really good shots, but then when he was like completely balled up, he like. His his arms are so big. He wasn't really taking stuff like to the head for like the last, you know, like little bit of that. And you're like, this doesn't really make sense. Like you're not, like normally like you cover up, but you're not like covered up like that guy is, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then he just started pounding him in the face of those lunch boxes in the second round when Shane was gassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like classic heavyweight stuff there. Like you got a guy tired. You yeah. Freaking set up your uh your head and arm, and you're like. Yeah, this this doesn't need to be. I don't need to yeah. even choke the guy for this. Like just just about a car yeah. as close to a cardio tap as it gets. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> don't care. Tap is a tap. You tapped whatever you want, buddy. Like <laughs> that's right. So, I just looked up Roman Delizzi. 
And he fought three times in 2022 and won all by knockout. Wow. He knocked out Kyle Dawkins with knee and punches, Phil Hawes by punches, and Jack Hermanson by punches. So interesting three fight win streak all and uh the Kyle Dawkins in a minute and 13 seconds, Phil Hawes in four minutes and nine seconds, and Jack Hermanson four minutes and six seconds of the second round, and the fight was over. So that should be with Martin Marvin Vittori. That should be a good fight. Yeah. There's a couple of people like that who I don't remember them until I go and look at their highlights. Because I remember when he knocked out Hermanson. That, like, I was surprised because I'd never heard of him. I didn't think he'd be allowed to have this nickname, the Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel like in today's time, you can't have a nickname kind of anything like that. Listen, if Kane can have brown pride tattooed on his chest, I can have whatever nickname yep. I want, all right? <laughs> yeah, That's right. Funny. You got the Black you Beast, see- too. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite fighters of all time. No, it's fucking great. Yeah, like, who cares, yeah. man? Yeah. UFC has been pretty good about staying out of that until... The only thing they've done lately is they stopped letting people... Right after the Ukrainian stuff broke out, they stopped letting people care, walk out with their flags because there was a shit where... There was some shit in the back um, where a couple of guys... Oh. They made it political walking out with Ukrainian flags and they weren't Ukrainian. And there was a couple of guys that, like, one guy wanted to walk out with a Russian flag, I think. And he was not Russian and some shit like that in the back to like spell stuff up and they're like all right we might be taking it too far and uh instead of just telling those guys no we're doing something they're like all right no more flags when you walk out for now so that's why no one's been carrying flags out they stopped that in the back i always mm. wondered what that was because dana white wouldn't talk about it he just said we're not letting people do flags you know why well they said <laughs> they blamed the ukrainian guys but um try to remember which one of the guys were with um we were in tampa the other day um, one of the ATT guys was cornering a guy there, and yeah, I think there was someone who was trying to like up, pump up a fight, and like brought a Russian flag and stuff with him, and he was not Russian, and uh, I don't know if he was fighting a Ukrainian guy or what it was, but it was pretty much like a shit talking thing. He brought a Russian flag, and they're like, okay, no, you're no, we're we're not doing this. There was like a whole thing in the back; they wouldn't let him, and a bunch of shit got started, and I guess that's what it led to. So. I would do it. Interesting. A lot of behind. But it's completely things. fine for Connor to talk about other people's wives, their religion, right? All that kind of stuff. That's that was okay. Was the best part about the whole Khabib and Connor like aftermath stuff was it's like then the UFC tried to be like, oh my gosh, we spent the whole time like playing up like Russians versus Irish people, and we could have had no possible idea that this would like. <laughs> This would end this way, like at the cage, and I was like, "A, yes, you did, and B, if you didn't, you are the dumbest people alive." Like the Dagestanis don't fart around with that stuff. Like, that, yeah, you do not <laughs> talk about. Yeah, you don't talk about the. You don't. That's that is one section of the Muslim community you really that has no just 
no screwing around in their bloodline at all. Like no, no sense of humor. The like Wait, Connor being like, oh, it's just business, just business." Like that was not just business to them. Let's talk now. Let's talk now. Yeah, this is so great. <laughs> but they're also not the ones to start the trash talk. You know what I mean? Like they're not. They're just here to to do what they do and. They don't do all that other nonsense. That's why, I, you know, the Diaz brothers rub me the wrong way. I know they're completely different outside of the ring. But all the trash talk and the water bottle throwing and all that stuff, I, I don't need all that. Yeah, I got to meet them when I was, like, first starting. I was probably, like, 15. They came to our town and were grappling. They were already, I think, black belts then. Yeah, and then, then I, when I saw them on TV and stuff, started watching them, I was like, that's the same guys that were here? <laughs> Really? <laughs> like, I was like, same thing. Yeah, completely different. But yeah, that that persona. But they made they made a lot of money. Yeah, I, I didn't never being never being champs. They've made a lot of money. Yeah, uh, I I kind of felt bad for Nate in that last fight with Robbie Lawler because you could tell he didn't want to be in there. Uh, so yeah, Nick. Oh yeah, Nick. I'm sorry. You're right, Nick, not Nate, the older brother. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of sucked. Nate's gonna be a. What's he doing? A, what's he supposed to do? Do it unboxing or something? Now I think. He's trying to set up some stuff. I don't think anything's quite. He's got his own promotion. In. He started his own agency and a promotion. He started he, so. He did, and I think. I thought I had pulled some some screenshots, but I guess not. But he does. You're right, and it's mostly boxing, actually. Yeah, because I'd much rather have the, my percentage of a couple hundred million than I would have. <laughs> oh yeah, fifteen or twenty. Fifteen hundred. <laughs> yeah. Now. The, the other thing I had, too, was I don't know if you guys saw. Um, I'm going to stop sharing this screen. I'll share the other one real quick. And we'll see if you guys want to do any more or not. But, all right, let me share this screen real quick here. Do, 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 do. Where is the... Where is it? Why am I not seeing it? Interesting. I've got a picture up on one of my screens, but I can't see it to share it. Hmm. Fellas, I am being summoned. I'm going to have to go jump off so I can go do my... be of some assistance for my, my trip over. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Have a good one. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, uh... Good seeing you guys, and do it again. We've got to do it again soon. Yes, we'll have to do this again where we can see you. <laughs> All right, yeah. Tune in a little bit. Yeah, tune All in right, a little take bit. Take care. See Roz. Yeah, tune in a little bit. See Roz go at it. Give me a good one here a little bit. All right. So it's like a six foot four, 265 pounder versus a six seven, 260 pounder. So BJJ black belt versus striker, classic grappler and striker. So. Here we go. Wow. All right. We'll talk to you guys. All right. See ya. Have a good one. Bye, guys.
the, I, I can't seem to share it, but the last thing I had was um, Helen Yee of Helen Yee Sports was interviewing um, Cejudo, and he's saying he's fighting Aljamain on May 6th. Wow. Now, he, he said the only thing he's waiting on is Aljamain to sign it. But everything's been agreed to. He's just waiting on a signature. That's a big fight for Henry to come back. Yeah. I think it's a good fight for Henry to come back to as well. So that'd be, I'd watch that. I would too. I think, uh, I think he's got better striking than Aljamain and I don't, Aljamain might be a good grappler. I mean, he's a very good grappler, but can Henry with his Olympic wrestling negate the grappling? It's hard for me to imagine him ending up on the ground in when he doesn't want to end up on the ground with a guy like that. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for Sterling, though, after his second fight with Peter Jan. He, he looked amazing. I, I never... He did. He controlled him, but, I mean, but Henry's got a whole different level of wrestling, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's like the Daniel Cormier of the 135 pounders. Except he won at the Olympics, so. Correct, yeah. But, I mean, he's got, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You're right. All right, yeah. He did. So, it, uh, that's a whole other ball of wax. And then you hear, you know, when I heard the interview with um, DJ, with Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, and how when he trained with him, how Henry Cejudo is very detailed oriented, comes up with a strategy, maintains that strategy. Even in the fight, he's able to not get led astray and he maintains that strategy. Pretty interesting. This guy's on a totally different level. I don't know that Aljamain has the striking to overcome that. No, it's hard for me to imagine it. Like, like if I just try to think it without the top of my head, like the only thing I can kind of see is if he manages to either get him in closed guard and he's long enough, he could probably lock up a body lock from the bottom, you know, and then and just like completely stifle him down there. Because it's hard for me to imagine him getting Henry Cejudo's back. And he couldn't take him down. So that's, right. a, that's a curious one. I, I can see, you know, there's those times where you know, something crazy happens and someone trips and slips and then someone jumps on him. I could, that's the only way I could really see where he could take his back. But then I still feel like Henry would be able to reverse, you know, he knows how to reverse it and would be able to. I don't know. I just, I just don't see Aljamain's grappling overcoming Henry's wrestling. And then I give Henry the um, advantage on the feet. For sure. Yeah. The, the real question would be then, does he stay or does he just come back to, on occasion to take a fight and, and then exit again? You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's successful enough coaching stuff. It's kind of like, why? You know, come back and take a big one if you get a chance to and then 
bounce, you know? Yeah. Or do that and then maybe come up and fight uh, Volk at 145. That would be interesting. That yeah, would. yeah. And I feel like he's got the size where he could do that, and that would be a very interesting fight in that I feel like you have two very similar styles. So that would be a very interesting chess match. Now, let me I'll finish the quote here because I, I did this on purpose. I didn't want to do the other half. He did say he wasn't totally confident that Aljamain will sign, so he's also preparing for Sean O'Malley. So it sounds like he's fighting regardless. It's just, is it going to be Aljamain or is it going to be Sean O'Malley? Now, Aljamain did reply because Henry tweeted that out, and Aljamain said, you know I'm going to spank you, right? Save this tweet. So, so the smack talk has begun, but I thought Aljamain, didn't he just have surgery on his neck or something? So I don't know even know if he's going to be healthy. Let's see if that, I, that I don't know. I don't see never really like the guy, so... Cole, you're usually up on... I don't keep up with him a ton, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's see here. When was this? This I was February. Like but that's a huge step up. But then, I mean, he just fought Peter Jan. That was really close, though. I could have gone either way on that fight as far as who I thought won. In fact, I think I thought Jan had won. There's definitely I a little bit too. controversial with it, but yeah. I did, too. But Jan in the cash cow, though. Yeah, that's true. Now, this was from February 2nd. He says, Mrs. Aljamain, that after he finishes Cejudo, he does, there's nothing Bantamweight has left for him, and he's probably going to move up. But this is what I didn't know. Mirab, I'm not saying that name again, <laughs> is his teammate. So it looks like because of that, he's going to move up in weight. So he would then fight Volk or whomever. And Mirab would be moving up to take a championship fight. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Aljamain says he sees a second round TKO to finish Henry Cejudo. You got to sell the fight, though, right? So. <laughs> you can say whatever. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Touche. Oh, goodness. Uh, he says the cut to 135 is pretty rough. So that would make sense as to why you would move up. So, oh, wow. He said he was on the morning of that interview, he weighed 167. So that's a 32 pound weight cut. Which, percentage-wise, that's a much greater body weight percentage yeah. than than what Pajeda does. So, well, yeah, it's a uh, lot of, shoot. That's almost 20% of his body weight. Thanks. 
That'll be an interesting fight. So I look forward to that one happening. So there are some good fights coming up this year. Oh, for sure. But uh, if you guys are about ready to call it, I got to go. I got to go do some video yep. work and prep things tomorrow. So I got to go get all my sim stuff and all my things ready for the morning to do uh, to shoot friends with uh, the uh, the good stuff there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, have fun, enjoy. It's always good to see it. Yep, you guys as well. All right, you good, Joel? I'm good. I will just throw out. We were talking about people taking years off their life earlier. Uh, I don't know why recently. I keep getting um, highlights from early UFC. And people used to be unconscious for like 20, 30 seconds just getting their heads smashed after they've gotten yeah. So if you ever get a chance to go look at those old highlights, that's pretty ugly. Back in the glory days. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Take All care. right. See you guys.